Hey, Viewrander listener, it's me, Greg Miller. And at the start of this podcast, I say, there's going to be some Gone Home spoilers. And then I don't spoil Gone Home for an hour and 15 minutes. So no matter what, you can listen to this for an hour and 15. What's up, everybody? I'm Greg Miller. This is Portillo, and this is Steve Gaynor. Hey, Greg. From the Fulbright Company. Hey, how are you? Pretty Sorry, good. I wasn't. You, you threw me with the hey. I was just. I mean, I don't want to jump I'm, into I'm engaged it. in this conversation. Oh, I was gonna say no. You're married. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm all, your I'm wife. married. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Polygamy. Not. I was gonna say, is that something that's going on in Portland? Not legal in Oregon yet. <laughs> we will win that fight as well. I mean, but, we got weed. Legal yeah. Weed, you know. Congratulations. It's I know. just it's one more step from there to polygamy. Right? I guess Isn't they're that? kind of in the same boat. I guess. Look down upon some places, other True. places not looked down upon. That's right. Everybody does it in the privacy of their own home. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is the kind of funny Gone Home cast. That's right. An entire podcast here about Gone Home. Why are we talking about this ancient old as hell game? I'll tell you why. Because it's out on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One this very week. We're posting this the Tuesday, the 12th of January, when it comes out to PlayStation 4, <laughs> if the PSN's working. And then it'll be on Xbox One the next day, the 13th. So we've come in here. I would say, we, we, you and I, we're friends. We haven't talked about what we're going to talk about on this podcast. I can't guarantee that, but I can't read your mind either. We're not that good at friends. I would assume that if you haven't ever beaten Gone Home, put this one aside until you go beat Gone Home. Yes. And I'm, I'm going to, this isn't, this isn't going to, this is not from him. Because again, it's Steve. I can insult him. I can do whatever I want to him. I don't yeah. care. I can rough him up. <laughs> I'm telling you, if you've never played Gone Home, to go play Gone Home. So pause the podcast, stop the podcast. Go buy it on your PlayStation 4, Xbox One. And I think it a long time ago came to a PC. Yeah, PC near you. PC, uh, Mac, like, Linux, as, we as got you, that. As you all out there know, PC is hard. When PC jumps the generation, sometimes the games don't work on the other right. ones. So there, maybe yeah. it's working. I don't know. If Steam. it's backwards compatible on your MacBook. Oh, wow. Okay. Then you know. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So this is your chance to get out of there. Uh, the way I see this one going, Steve, is mm-hmm. I want to talk about Gone Home. But I want to talk about your life before Gone Home, leading up to Gone Home, after Gone Home, everything there. Yeah. So we're going to talk about Gone Home. But what I want to know right now is... But in the context of a life. In context of your life. Mm-hmm. I want to know... Where does where does it start for you? Like, where, when do you know you are going to make video games? That's a really good question. That that is the con- that is that's more of the before than I was expecting. Oh, where do you think I was going to be? Uh, I don't know. Bioshock Two ish. Yeah, maybe right before that. But we'll no, I like this. Okay, I like this. Sure, I don't want to do one of these bullshit podcasts you've been doing all week. This is why I'm here. Ryan McCaffrey's like, well, how is I going to play with an Xbox <laughs> controller? You're like, all right, get out of here. <laughs> no, I'm here to tell Greg Miller about my childhood. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is what we're here for. Um, Show me on the Portillo where they touched you. <laughs> <laughs> right on the snoot. <laughs> um, yeah, no. Uh, I grew up, um, I was, so I was really lucky growing up with games because I kind of walked the line between PC gaming and console gaming just all throughout my youth. Like when I grew up, there was a Commodore 64 computer Mm -hmm. in my house before I could remember, right? So like I grew up playing like uh, Sesame Street games and like a Godzilla game and stuff like on my Commodore 64 when I was like... Bef- right, like it was, it, it's. I don't remember before I had. So is that because games. of a big brother, big sister? Your parents were into games. I'm an only child, so okay. um, my dad, uh, yeah, was a, a guy that thought it was important to have a computer in the house. Okay, yeah, it was the early '80s. It was sure. kind of like kids gonna have to know how to use a computer. Yeah, that's still had in the time, future. Though. I remember, like in the early '90s, my parents finally getting a computer. Yeah, it was a knockoff Windows machine that had knockoff Windows and couldn't run anything. And <laughs> I'd cry because I couldn't make Carmen say Oh, Windows? yeah, of course there were. Wow. Oh, my God. This Man. thing was terrible. I don't know what the hell it was doing. <laughs> but they were into consoles, so I understood consoles. Yeah. Really yeah. 
So I grew up playing kids games on Commodore 64, but also um, I had a next door neighbor who was a few years older than me, and he was kind of like, he was kind of like my n nerd Sherpa. Sure, like he, he was sure. like a he was just like a very like archetypal '80s nerd. Just okay. into like he had the Star Wars bed sheets. Literally, he, and this you know this is after the original. Sure, so this wasn't this wasn't this new. No, everybody, no, no. Everybody's wearing Star Wars T-shirts now. Yeah, you don't of. you don't remember what it was like for us growing <laughs> up when people there were no Star Wars stuff, Kevin. <laughs> uh, but like so, and he like I don't know. Monty Python and Dungeons and Dragons, sure. like you know. Oh wow! And okay, wow. He's really bringing yeah, into the new he fold. was doing all of it, and so like he had an NES, you know, before anybody else I knew. And I went over to his house, the next door neighbor's house, and played Nintendo. You yeah, know? and like my grandmother was generous enough to buy me a um, subscription to Nintendo Power okay. every year for Christmas or whatever. So I had like nice. you know Nintendo Power coming to my house every day, and the or every every day That'd I had a awesome. daily subscription. <laughs> no, every month. Um, and so I was really lucky when I was growing up. Uh, I was in the Midwest, and where in the Midwest? Uh, Missouri, like west of St. Louis. So. Oh wow, okay. Well, how uh, close are we get? Or where are we at? We had, we're we're not to Kingdom City yet, are we? Uh uh No, no, no. Are like we... Ellisville, Missouri. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, like uh, how and that's it goes like Chesterfield, Missouri. Right. Where? Give me give me Wentzville as my as my location there. So I moved away from Missouri. My family moved. I I I, I struck out on my own. I when escaped I was, Missouri. When I was nine years old. No, yeah. my, my family moved away from Missouri when I was okay. still in grade school. So I don't really know. Okay. I don't remember a lot about. I thought we were gonna bond a little bit over our Missouri knowledge there. Were, were, you, were you excited? Were you a Missouri kid? No. I mean, where do you think I went to the college? Here? Look you? at this. Look at these things, huh? Oh. I Best got journalism in school in the country, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. That's where the good questions from. Got the got the journalism degree, didn't get the racism. <laughs> win win. Yeah, I got out before it got bad. Uh, um, <laughs> but uh, so so I you know when I was growing up, I was in we lived in this this uh, little subdivision. Yeah. That you know I was a kid growing up, and our house is in the subdivision, like one direction, like ten minutes down the street was the elementary school I went to. I could yeah. walk to that. The other side of it, there was this little strip mall that had. You know, a video store in it, and mm. a bank, and whatever. And they actually kept a good stock of NES games in their rental section. Um, and so, like, I had this perfect setup of being a kid, where it's like, you get Nintendo Power Magazine, they say this, this game's actually supposed to be good. And, like, Nintendo Power then, I mean, it's not around anymore. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I only read it when I was that age. But, like, I remember when I was a kid, I, I think back to it, and I'm impressed, because, like, they really did highlight... Games yeah. that were good, regardless of whether they were Nintendo first party sure. or like, um, and so you know there'd be a game that was supposed to be cool, and I could just like walk down to the video store and pay a dollar to rent it for two nights or whatever. Yeah. So, you know, I I was really lucky to grow up being able to actually like play a lot of stuff and on on different platforms. So, so just as I was growing up, I kind of went back and forth between being like. You know, I was a, I went from SNES to then mostly being like a PC gaming kid in like the early '90s. When I got back on board for the PS One, yeah, you did. I rented a I rented a, a PS One from Blockbuster for my 15th or no, probably 14th birthday. Yeah, uh, brought it home with a with a copy of Resident Evil One. Oh, wow. and a copy of Loaded. Oh it, well, I know which one you played more of. Uh, Loaded, of course. <laughs> it, I mean, it was extreme. <laughs> let's be let's be honest here. Um, so you know, yeah, I, I I was I was lucky to to basically, because I had a similar situation with like PC Gamer magazine. Sure. Like it, around that time when I got back into PC gaming, you know, had had a computer. You know, my family had a computer at the house still, um, and I remember I was just in a 
I was in like a whatever Barnes and Noble or something. I saw a PC gamer on the racks, and I was like, I play computer games. I know PCs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was like, let's see what's up. And so um, I remember I picked up an issue, and they're like, game of the month. They gave like a ninety-four or whatever was uh, Crusader No Remorse, which was an origin like isometric shooter game. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, this sounds cool. They really liked it. I'm gonna get this game. And if I agree that they were right, then that means this magazine is probably pretty good. I should yeah, like yeah. keep it. So that, and and I love that game, and I still love that game. So then, like PC Gamer was kind of my Nintendo power for PC gaming from that point forward. Like this game's awesome. You should check it out. So um, I'm I'm grateful to like the editors of those publications for helping me actually Have find you ever found good them? Have you games. Talked to them? Uh, I mean, because obviously you've been in PC gamer nowadays. I've I, yeah, and I mean uh, from that time I uh, have met uh, like Gary Witta. Oh yeah, you know? Sorry, sorry, that's the one you had to meet. <laughs> I Gary, a, I still have a spotted that's dick Greg. right there. That's not me. That's great. I'm no, I'm speaking on behalf of everybody. <laughs> Let's just say abomination isn't used just to describe his books. Are you saying it? Movie, He's an abomination. His, his movie He's is, only he, no, no, no. I just meant him. Okay, I was trying to turn his book abomination on him. Well, but he also wrote some screenplays, so you could. Those like, are be really a good about though. Those. Book of Eli. Come on now. Okay, I'm not argue about that. But I mean, I'm just okay. I'm just trying to help you. Gary would have fan friend of the show. Everything else, like I said, <laughs> Kevin could go out right now and get his spotted dick if you wanted. It's in the lazy. Go get the spotted dick. Go get Gary with a spotted dick. It's, okay. out, it's out in the lazy right. Susan. We'll put it right here next to your game. Yeah, give us a second. I'm, I'm, I'll show you Gary with a spotted dick. Give us Thank two you. seconds and we'll show you Gary with a spotted dick. So anyway, yeah. So, but here's my, so you're, you're going and your story sounds just like mine, just like a lot of kids out there, yeah. I'm sure. Just like this spotted dick straight from, straight from England. Porty's licking it. Oh, he lost. Now it's going to take him about ten seconds to realize he doesn't have his owl, and he's going to be very upset. Oh, there it is. See, I'm, like, I'm just wait. trying to. I'm just trying to help people get good screenshots. Oh. <laughs> I, I was making sure that there's something that's screen grabbable. Well, no, hold on. Yeah, you touch it too. And oh, then we. So we all. Then talk. we. Then we'll hold for it, and then okay. you can all tweet, "Hey, Gary Witta, Steve and Greg are holding your spotted dick." All right. All right, nailed it. <laughs> um. Yeah. So you So you have a story that's just like I think me. Probably most of our listeners, right? A lot of yeah, yeah. Or but, if you're younger, you had your website of choice. That sure, was telling sure, you sure, sure. The shit you should be paying attention. Right, to. Yeah, right, right. Sure. So where does it go from being? I love this hobby. I love playing games. To I want to create these. I want to make games. I think that well. So I mean, I I messed around with with making game stuff a little bit, like uh-huh. as I was growing up, just kind of off and on. Like I remember. Uh, but what does that mean? Like, because that's the thing for me. It was like I. Looked at this stuff and I'm like, man, I want to write about. I want to write yeah. the magazine. And you're like, I want to make the games that are in it. You know what I mean? Like, well, when I was growing up, I always um, made like comics and okay. I wrote and drew comics and I did like a lot of illustration and stuff when I was growing up. Um, and so I, I think you know I had this idea that I wanted to do something creative. You know, sure. I thought I was like, okay, I'm going to do like art stuff um, as a living. And you know, I did that all through you know high school and everything and into college and. Um, and then at some point when I was in college, you know, I was getting kind of deeper into like alternative comics and stuff like that. Sure. And I was making my own stuff and kind of getting more serious about it. But I just sort of, at some point I had this realization that I was sort of like, A, I don't have, like as I'm doing this stuff, I don't have like this visceral love of actually like making mm-hmm. the stuff, you know, like sitting down at a drawing board for a really long time, it's, like, hard. And, yeah, you can, yeah. and you can either be energized by it or or it can just... Beat you down. It's not what 
you're you're built for. And also, I I was kind of getting, you know, uh, familiar with comics creators like Daniel Klaus or Chris Ware or R. Crumb, who R. Crumb. like they're they are deeply obsessed with the medium and its history and everything about sure. it. Like comics are what is inside of them, right? And and I was like, I'm not really, I'm also not really that guy. I'm not like, oh, I have to like know everything about sure, the entire sure, sure, history sure, sure. of comics. Like, I'm so obsessed with like Charles Schultz's early work or, you know, like, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, but at the same time, I had a notebook that I kept with me that I was, that, that I had for writing like story ideas for comics, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, and I just kind of noticed, I was like, these are all kind of, this is just sort of turning into game ideas and like games for, ideas for like game mechanics and like what if you could do this in a game or whatever and and it was around that time that I was like I was like actually now that I think of it like games are the medium that I am obsessed with Mm. and that has been the kind of entertainment that has connected the most with me throughout my life so I think back I'm like I always want to be playing games like I'm thinking about like clearly based on like what's coming out of my notebook you'd rather be playing games I've not right now. No, no, because I'd rather. <laughs> okay, well, okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, and so I just kind of had that realization. I was sort of like, I think I'm just, I'm myself is trying to tell myself, like, this sure. is what you actually should be involved with if you're going to do something mm-hmm. creative, right? And so um, I kind of thought back to, yeah, when I was growing up, you know, I... I I made Duke Nukem 3D levels with the level editor that shipped with Duke Nukem 3D. Yeah. I made some games in, like... Q basic or whatever, you know, just kind of like off and on. I sure. played with like the Quake One level editor, and I just kind of thought back to that, and I was like, I think, you know, from from what I understand, if you can make levels for games and you can do it well enough to like have a portfolio, you can get into making games that way. And so, like from that kind of realization point, I started t- taking that seriously and being like, gotcha. I need to figure out how to build these things and build a portfolio and get it out in front of people and like figure out how to be a part of of making this stuff. You know. So then this comes to you in college. Yeah. Yeah. Do, near the end do of you college, have yeah. the panic near the end of college that you've wasted these years, you've done this wrong, or da 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 da? I was just sort of wasting college all the time. I mean, okay, like, so I, like, you knew you it, I was. I, it wasn't the kind of thing where I had gone all the way through college and like I was about to like get my degree in biology or something. Sure, and it's sure, like, sure, sure, it sure, was, sure. Like when I was going through college, it re- so like it really wasn't a waste in terms of, like, what I got out of it. Yeah. But I was never, like, I'm training to be an accountant. I'm getting my, right. like, criminal, you know, science degree, degree or something, yeah, yeah. right? Um, it, it, as I was going through college, I took a lot of film courses, and I took a lot of art courses, you know, like, because I, I was doing visual arts, so I, you know, took a lot of life drawing, and I ended up getting my um, my degree in sculpture, and mm. my uh, oh. minor was art history. And so, like, as I was going through what I was, all everything I was doing in college... It it all added up to exposing me to a lot of context for like yeah. making stuff and the history of art and how things are made and just like I, I went into kind of around the time that I realized that like drawing and illustration wasn't really what I was gonna end up doing. Yeah. I also had to pick my concentration for college and I was like, I've never done any sculpture, but I'm gonna make sculpture my concentration so that I can learn about working in three D space mm, smart because i because i when am i going to get to do that sure again you know um and i had a, a professor at portland state who was really supportive of like he was like what do you want to do for like you want to go be a sculptor and i was like no he's like what do you want to actually want to do and i was like well I, I want to make video games make video game levels um and i think that you know learning how to 
work in 3D is like a, you know, applicable to that. That's part everything. of it for sure. Yeah, and and he was like, uh, well, okay, then your final concentration project for your degree is just like, don't come to any of your classes for a week. Just stay home and just build a level, and and see if and see if just like spending the full time job amount of time, like actually doing yeah, that work, hours. is actually like. If by the end of that you actually liked doing it, because it's that thing that I kind of said about like drawing comics, you kind of realize you're doing the work and you don't actually like the work. And so yeah, it's yeah. like if you think this is what you want to do, you should probably go do it and see if you actually like the act of doing right. it, and then bring me the results of that and explain your process and what you built and everything. Mm -hmm. And you know, I did it and I came out of it and I was like, that was I want to keep doing that. That's you awesome. Know? Um, so you know, having supportive people um, in college, even though it wasn't like a real clear it path. It wasn't the traditional, um, I'm going to be a sculptor and right. then into video games. Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it was a, it was a kind of um, abstract path regardless of, of what it ended up at. Yeah. You know, um, but I'm really glad that I have that background. I'm really sure. glad that I did a bunch of like film history courses and just kind of got that foundation in what people have done. You know, in yeah. entertainment and in art, like in this century, just sort of like being able to think back, like, oh yeah, like there's this thing that that is kind of the like you see, you know, because you see a lot of stuff now. You watch a TV show or a movie I or do whatever. See things a lot. I know that you're always looking at things, um, but like it, it's just really interesting when you can think back and you're like, oh, that came from you know this movie from the 50s sure. or something that maybe I ne I probably never would have watched on my own. Right, you know, right, right, having right. someone to point you towards kind of a starter's guide for. Like here's here's some stuff that it's good to be aware of, and right. and to give you that insight is really cool. Yeah, that's a cool mix because Colin and I were talking about this on last week's uh, piece. I love you, XOXO. In yeah. the way of one of our listeners wrote in and was asking, you know, he was making the argument as I think he's sixty one that we are currently in the good old days of games, right? right. The good old days of games weren't when you think they were back in the NES and da da da. Yeah, and we sat there and talked about this for a while, and that's what we were talking about is you know games being our passion, right? That's what we know about is why did you grab the spotted dick first? I thought you grabbed your coffee first, but then you grabbed. I just, I just didn't want to. You be put off. Gary with a spotted dick on your crotch. I just didn't want to be off balance. We just both needed something for the lap. Oh, okay. I was thinking about composition. Sure. Do you want? You can have Christmas duck if you want. We can put Christmas duck in your lap. No, I like the dick. <laughs> He's got spotted dick, and you have a wiener dog. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Kevin. <laughs> Dynamite dropping. Kevin, come in the frame. There it is. There it is. There's Kevin, are you ready for you? <laughs> That's what I work with every day around here, and I love it. Don't get me wrong. I'm envious. Thank you. Thank you very much. We all need a Kevin. We all do need a Kevin. I'm lucky. I'm lucky. We, got <laughs> we were talking about the fact that, yeah, for us, you know, like being a video game fan and it being our lives and our passion, right, is the fact that we know that so well. We know how to go back and find all that stuff and know the history of it. Stop watching yourself with a spotted dick. <laughs> Turn off the monitor. It's balanced. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, and then, but then, like that was the thing is like we both. We, fine. Then I'll just put it away. If I can't look, at, if no, I can't look fine. at it, I don't Turn want it to be on there. Turn spotted dick cam. <laughs> Jesus. Were you saying something? No, or? it doesn't matter. <laughs> Just saying that, like, we, history, we, we both, Colin and I both like movies, but we can't go back and tell you, like, oh, well, this pulled from this, and this is right. how Tarantino found this vision. That, that, sure, that, right, right, right. Like, that, not that that's a deficiency for us, but in terms of critiquing film or knowing yeah. film the way we know games, that's the Do you problem. feel like you haven't watched a lot of film from before, like, 19... 
Oh yeah, 80? for sure, for okay. sure. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I'm a contemporary. I know contemporary movies decently enough. But even that, like, that's my big thing. Where you know, Nick, Nick out there, right? He's Mr. Movie Guy. That's he likes writing scripts. He like he wants to make films and stuff like right. that. Still, and I hope we can grow kind of funny at that point, so that he can do that here, and I don't have to just fire him one day. Right. Yeah. But we'll sit around. He always gets so angry at me because movies will come out, and I'm like, just make them day and date digital. And he's like, no, you have to go. You have to get the experience. And then I end up watching every film he recommends on Virgin America screens on the back <laughs> of the thing, and he gets even more mad at me, right? But like, yeah, that's the thing is like, I, there's only so many hours in the day. And I right. feel like if I'm not, I, I watch TV and consume uh, inactive entertainment right. when I'm eating, right? Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. having dinner or something, I want to watch something, and then I'm off to go play something or interact on the internet and right. stuff like that. Yeah. So just differences like that. Yeah. Have you seen, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> no, they, 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 it is cool when you get a hook into older film yeah. and, and you can start to make those connections. There's some stuff, my favorite thing about watching um, film from the, yeah, 30s, 40s, 50s is how surprisingly modern some of it is. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, because you're just like, whoa, I didn't think people would talk about that. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and a lot of it was like based on like, um, you know, that, that there was stuff that they couldn't be explicit about in the film. Sure. But seeing how they tackle issues and allude to things so they couldn't just say yeah, outright. Yeah, exactly. Really fascinating. Anyway. Well, that's always the most, the, my favorite thing is to go back and watch movies I remember watching as a kid that were ahead of my time. Right. And then you watch them and like, you pick up on all these things and like, oh my God, I didn't even, like Ghostbusters, right? Like I watched Ghostbusters many times. Yeah. As a kid, like I'm freaking out. It's my favorite yeah. movie. You're like, like, why is Dan Aykroyd's belt coming exactly. off? Exactly. <laughs> you had no idea this ghost is giving him a blowjob. You're just watching. Like, and I remember like watching that movie and then having to, now I'll make it symmetrical again. Okay, thank uh, you. Having to go in and ask my mom if I could say words from it. Right. Like, can I say Mother Puss Bucket? He's like, yeah, I guess. I'm like, all right, thanks. Because I got in trouble, you see, with Bastard. Me okay. and my dad were playing in the front yard, and I uh, pinned myself up against a tree, and he was trying to fake trying to find me, and I turned around and yelled, Bastards! From Back to the Future. Yeah. And he's like, stop. Can't say that. <laughs> not Probably a school, none of this. Yeah. Back to you, though. Not my childhood traumas. So, you graduate... I mean, I can, if you want to talk about you crying as a child more, I mean, Trust I'm me, that's every you. Game Over Greggy okay. show. There's, a, there's 110 <laughs> of them up right now on kindoffunny.com for you. Uh, you graduate, degree in sculpting. Mm-hmm. Like, what, what's ne- how do you then take the one level you've made and like, how do you turn that into a career? Uh, I moved down here. Mm. Um, right after college, I moved down to San Francisco. Um, actually, we moved down here because um, my now wife, like, we weren't married at the time, but... Um, Living in sin. Yes. In San Francisco. Ah! <laughs> this is the Sin City? Is this the one? Or is this is the one. one? No, okay, this, this is, is the si- Sin City, Brotherly Love, okay. Windy City. Oh, it's the Windy City. We're every city. Yeah. Nice, nice. I love Frisco. <laughs> <laughs> that goes over everyone's head. But um, so, uh, yeah, so we moved down here. No um, job, or do you have a job in here? I didn't have okay. a job, but um, we moved down here for uh, my wife's grad school because she had she was going into her grad school stuff. What was she going into? Um, biomedical sciences. Okay. I'm married to a doctor. Okay, very nice. Um, now we know how these games are getting made. Who's paying the bills? Not a medical doctor. Now, now we don't know. No, yeah, <laughs> um, uh, so, um, yeah, we came down here for her grad school stuff, and, you know, she she made that decision in part because she knew that like there was game stuff here, sure. and that's what I wanted to get into as yeah. far as where she she decided to go. Um, but we came down here. Yeah, it was a different time in San Francisco. We we moved here. What what are we looking at? We uh, two thousand five. Okay. So we moved here. Um, we moved into a two bedroom apartment with another couple, and it was. Two grad students, somebody that worked at a nonprofit, and an unemployed person. Wow! And yeah. they rented us an apartment, <laughs> yeah. right at the top of Hayes Valley. Damn. Um, so yeah, so so very lucky, very nice landlords. Yeah. 
no complaints. Um, and uh, and and so I got here and I just like started. I cold try, call, knock on the door. Try, well, just I was like, I th- I guess I'm just gonna try to get in as a tester. You ah, know, like because because okay. I had no marketable skill. Like I you know I had the beginning of like a level design portfolio, sure, but sure. it's not like somebody was gonna hire me. Take a chance for that, right? Um, I needed to, basically I needed to keep working on it. You know, but I wanted to be in the industry and doing something that would like apply to a resume. Yeah. While I was working on my level design portfolio, you know, and so. Um, uh, I my first job in the industry was I was a certification tester at Sony in San Mateo. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Um, I was a tester on PS2 and PSP games. Hell yeah, um, PSP games. Pounded out. Did you play that pad upon? Did you ever play that pad upon? No, you don't. You don't get to choose what you play. I, well, I know, but I, I'm sure something. I, I played Daxter. The, I played the Daxter. I, figured it was I Daxter. tested the Daxter spinoff yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. Hot I, Shots Golf, Luminous. I'm throwing stuff at you that'll be out there in that I, time period. No, it wasn't those. But okay. I did. So there's a lot. There's actually a lot of interesting stuff about working at Sony at that time. Um, they yeah. know me. I'm sure Shuhei walked in every day. Said, "Hey, what's up? We were both. Yeah, we were both. <laughs> um, no, it, it, so." You generally, yeah, you didn't get to, to choose what you played. So, like, well, A, it was an interesting, just, like, interview process. Sure. Because, like, you show up, like, I want to be a game tester. And they're like, okay, well, it, let's find out if you can do that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a, as noted, you don't have to have a lot of experience. So they're kind of, like, trying to filter by, like, does it seem like you'll actually, like, be able to, like, find, find stuff, right? So the way that, at that time... So they did the job interviews. They talked to you, and they're like, "What's your background?" And like, "Why do you want to take this job?" And all the normal kind yeah, yeah. of stuff. But then the test was they had a VHS tape of bugs that testers had recorded, and you had to watch the tape and then tell them what the bug was that Ooh. was in it. So some of them were really easy, where it would be like, "What's the bug?" Well, the guy fell through the floor. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, or or whatever that kind of thing. Like, what's the bug? Oh, that one enemy. Wasn't animating, or you know, or like he's that kind of pose or whatever, yeah. right? Because it it's like, oh, he's kind of off in the corner of the screen. Maybe you would miss it or whatever. Yeah, the, yeah. the bug I was most proud of that um, that I got was it was a clip of a four-player sc- split-screen um, racing game. Yeah, and it shows the go across the finish line, finish, and then it ends. And they're like, "What's the bug?" And I was like, "I think the guy who got first place had." A longer time than the guy who got second? And they're like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> like, I, know, like, <laughs> like, I, yes. I, I was really glad. I was like, I noticed that the second place guy actually had the, the shortest time. So it was stuff like that. Yeah, where yeah, they're yeah, like, yeah. are you going to catch this stuff? Um, Could you rewatch it or was it just the one shot? Oh. It might have been twice. Okay, okay, okay. I, th- I think it might have been if you didn't, if the first time you were just like, I don't know, can I see it again? They would, I don't gotcha. know. But you know, gotcha. it, was, it was something like that. Um, so anyway, I was working there and um, yeah, they would just give you games. And it was a really good education. Like yeah. it was a really good education in game design because when we play games as as players, as yeah. gamers, we are totally self-selecting. You know, we're like, I think I'll like this. I'm gonna buy it on purpose. Mm-hmm. My friend mm-hmm. told me this is good. I'm I'm gonna try it. Sure. Um at Sony, you know, they were just like, okay, spend two weeks doing nothing but playing this. And you're like, uh, well, this, but I hate this kind of genre. Like we don't care. Yeah, they're like it's not the point, right? Yeah, yeah. And and so like I spent like a week playing like one of the Ice Age tie-in like sure. kids games. You yeah, know, yeah. Um, I spent like a couple weeks playing Mark Echo's Getting Up. Oh, Contents wow. Under Pressure. Wow. Um, you know, and the Daxter game, and like yeah. a, a bunch of stuff where it's sort of like, okay, we're just gonna make you 
not only play a bunch of stuff you would you wouldn't have gone out and bought yourself, but also become incredibly familiar with it. Right. Like, Play it for like eighty hours, you know. Like you're on hour eighty of Mark Echo's getting up. Content's <laughs> under pressure. Like that's that's not even that you know way more about the game than somebody who just plays it sure. as an end user. Sure, right? of course, of course. And so it's really interesting having to play these games and having to really get familiar with them and getting to the point where you understand why why they don't work or why they why they're okay but not that great like you end up playing a lot of stuff that's sort of like it's sort of the off brand of something that you that you have played intentionally Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you're like oh i see why it worked in the version that i decided to play and what's missing here and that kind of comparison or just playing weird weird like there was a there was there was a game that i played there was a ps2 game that it was a i don't think it was turn-based it was just really slow-paced um like World War II ship combat. It was a Japanese game. It was World War II ship combat, but an alternate World War II where you could upgrade your ships with like plasma cannons and okay, stuff. Okay, cool. I'm in. And so, and it's just like okay, so I'm get, like I, I we, one of the PSP games we played was like one of the Armored Core PSP games. So I have a lot of hours logged of like head to head one v one Armored Core PSP nice. against other testers. So yeah. you know, and it's just like you just don't have any choice you just have to like get your head around these games and understand them and understand how to play them in such a way that you might find weird stuff that sure. players won't normally find it so well, and that's like what running different corners that normally would go to trying to well that, that's one of the other interesting things that you learn is like you start out playing it you just do a playthrough just to familiarize yourself yeah then you keep playing it and you keep playing it and you find some bugs or whatever and then you're like all right i don't even what else do? How do I even play this yeah, more? Yeah, yeah. And you get bored, and you're just like, uh, and then you, and that's when you start doing weird stuff. Sure. And that's when you find the bugs because you're like, oh, maybe I'll do some weird thing, and then you're like, oh, that's something that people don't normally do. Right. That's what hasn't been banged on. I'm trying to play all the way through with only using knives or something goofy like that. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. My loadout will only be this kind of thing, or I'll mix in this thing, or, or I, just like weird stuff like, oh, I guess I'll just try to go all the way back to the beginning of the game. I don't know. You yeah, know, and then you're like, oh, when you go backwards through this like load gate, sometimes it crashes. You know, or like yeah, whatever, yeah. right? Um, so it's been really interesting. It's, it's interesting just to remember that there's like that boredom point is good. Yeah, that yeah, point yeah. of like too much familiarity because you get to the point where you're just like, like I, f- if you think you've exhausted everything in it, that's the point where you'll actually find the really interesting stuff. And that's useful as a developer, too. If you're like, I'm so familiar with my game, it's got to, there can't be any problems with it, obviously. Keep playing it, and, to, and, and, and you'll find something. Um, and a lot of times when you're a developer, that'll lead to not just like bug fixes or whatever, sure. but it'll lead to you being able to like put something cool in when the player does that weird thing, mm. because you're like, oh, what if I tried this weird thing? Oh, yeah, we don't do anything if you do that. That'd you be put cool. something there, that'd right, be cool. Right. You know, and, and that's, that's one of those kinds of things that can make a good game great. You know? So are you taking what you're learning, you're doing all these different things, finding things like that, and you're, taking, you're going home, I'm assuming, and then and making more levels, building out a portfolio yeah. that way? yeah. Um, I, my level design portfolio was, um, I made levels for a game called Fear. You remember Fear, remember Fear, the first yeah, person yeah. shooter. Yeah, it's a monolith game. I really like that game. Yeah. Um, I made levels for it because, A, I was a big fan of it. And sure. it was sort of like, I need to be making levels for something I actually want to play. So now, I think is really real quick important. for me and for the listeners yeah. and viewers, you're making levels for Fear. You're just making them in your for your, in your own free time. Yeah. As I like this, are you using Maya? Did it, I don't remember. Did Fear have some kind of? So that was part of why I chose it because they 
shipped their entire development Sweet. SDK. Okay. Okay, yeah. okay. So basically, they shipped all the tools so you could make anything in the game that they gotcha. had made, theoretically. Yeah, yeah. Um, you could do any of the scripting, et cetera. And, you know, I knew that I wanted to make, like, a story-based, like, you know, like a, or like a kind of single-player, like, narrative-based or narrative, like, focused kind of game like that, right? And so, like, Fear released the tools so that you could make a single-player level, put enemies in it, make new, like, radio messages and do the story-scripted stuff and make your own version of that kind of experience, which yeah. is the kind of thing I wanted to do, you know? So I was like, I'm glad that I did it this way because, like, I think even in, you know, now, you can be very engine-driven. You can be like, what's the engine that the most people are, that the most companies are using or whatever? Sure. You can be like, I should make a game for Unreal because everybody uses Unreal or whatever. Um, but if you do that to the detriment of actually, like, making something that you want to play, yeah. then it's going to be really hard for you to make something that, like, shines sure. as, like, oh, somebody really, like, cared about this and, and did an awesome job with it, you know? So two things that were good about making Levels for Fear was, one, I was a big fan and just wanted to make more of that game, but two, I was making those levels, and there was somebody I knew online who worked at this small game studio in Texas that had made an expansion pack for Fear, oh, and they were making another expansion pack for Fear, and they needed a level designer, and he knew that I was making levels for Fear, so he was like, you should apply at this studio that I work at. And you and just I, drop like 30 levels on them, well, like, I, I think it'll I, be all right, guys. I mean, the cool thing was, it was like, I, I never would have thought to apply there mm -hmm. otherwise, right? But the fact that I was like, making levels in the engine that they were making an expansion pack with, and I could just show up and be like, I've made some levels, you don't have to like teach me the tools. Yeah, good point. And, and they're like, cool, we have to ship this thing in six months, jump in, get yeah. rolling. You know, I could just like show up, start knocking stuff out. If I had been making levels in Unreal or whatever, that I Huge wouldn't have gotten that job, right, right, you know? Right, right. Um, so sometimes doing weird, obscure stuff works out because somebody needs somebody who knows how to do that weird, obscure thing already, right? right? So that's how I got into my first design job, which was at TimeGate Studios nice. down in, in, uh, in Sugar Land, Texas. Did, they, did you have to move out there? Or I did, stay yeah. inside? Okay. I lived in Texas for six months. Okay. okay. Out in, a, in a suburb outside of Houston from March until September <laughs> of 2007. Never, never a better time to go to Texas than and the I, sweltering and summer. And I didn't own a car. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> my apartment had air conditioning. Kevin is, is... Kevin and I can't deal with heat. No, he's terrified just hearing this. Yeah. It was. It wasn't. It was not good to be living in a suburb of Houston with no car in the sure. middle. Sure. Yeah. What did you do? You, how did you get to work? I I had very gracious coworkers that would give Aww. me a ride. Um, but on the weekends, I either had to just sit around in my apartment or walk to the mall oh. that was ten minutes away. Yeah. Yeah. So I was yeah. being I was being killed. Um, yeah. But yeah. So I, so I lived there for six months. We shipped that expansion port. Expansion pork. Yeah. <laughs> it's getting worse. I spiked your coffee when you weren't looking. Cool. Um, ship that expansion pack, um, the Perseus Mandate. Um, and uh, and moved back to San Francisco. Okay. And so then what was the, what was the next step? You start, You have experience now. You have a credit. Yeah. Um, that was... And beating so, down your door now to work with you, right? <laughs> yeah. You seen the Metacritic for a Perseus Mandate? <laughs> um, but uh, every review is like the level design's cool. That there was that one. There, so the stuff that I did th that was I mean that was a cool thing about it. So the stuff I did on that project was you know I came on late. They yeah. already built like the campaign, but they had these instant action maps that were like you just jump in and they sure. were more like arena shoot stuff. Yeah, yeah um, 
arena-based or like time trial-based or whatever. So I made a couple of those instant action maps. And then my other job was at some point, they just had me do a pass through the single player campaign and basically do like a scare pass. Like there weren't enough scary scripted things sure. in it. So they were just like play through the campaign, find places where you could put some kind of crazy scary like ghost scripted moment sure. in, pitch them, put them in, right? So like I didn't get to build a level in the single player campaign. Right. But I but I got I kinda got to do the two sides of it. Like I built a couple of levels that were just purely like gameplay, mechanics, replayability. And then also do a bunch of like scripted stuff mm-hmm. in in the single player experience. Sure. Um, so it was it was a really good kind of like six month crash course in just like making making geo, making gameplay, making scripted stuff. Um, and so I, I worked remotely for them for a little while, and then um, at GDC in two thousand eight, I started talking to uh, the folks at Two Camera in right because they were starting that up to um, to make Bioshock two. And they're like, wait, you're the guy who did the fear DLC. Get over there! Get over there! Get get other folks! Get all these people! Expansion packs! (laughs) So, that leads you to 2K Marin, which is thankfully close here. So you didn't have to leave your wife this time. Right. You're able to see her on a daily basis. Yes. But you go up to 2K, and what are they initially... Are you going up there to work on Bioshock 2, and that's the deal? That's the whole thing? Yeah, yeah. like, what's your title, I guess? Level designer. Okay, okay, okay. Um... Basically, you know, yeah, I I shipped Perseus Mandate. I was working on um, kind of like a, a project they were trying to get greenlit at, at TimeGate. And, um, was it a DC Comics game? I don't care about it. It was it a new IP? Is that why you love Gone Home so much? Because it's just got super It reminds all me over a lot it. of things. It, yeah, there's a lot, of, there's a lot of things that pull out. I'm like, this could be happening to DCU. We don't know. I mean, Batman could be on the roof. What? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so yeah, um, I started talking to talking to them um, at GDC that year, and um, you know they, it was a good time for them to take a chance on somebody. You know what I mean? Because yeah. like it was really early in the development of Bioshock Two, like super early, and um, they could bring somebody on who didn't have a ton of experience. You know? Yeah. But at the same time. As a, I had been writing my like game design blog for years, it was called Fulbright. Um, yeah. My game design blog is is called Fulbright. It's still online. Um, I maintained it from like 2005 to 2010, I guess. Um, and uh, I had, had I had been getting like some articles from it republished on like game uh, game industry websites and stuff because uh, editors at like Gamasutra had noticed it and uh, republished some of it. And so like I was kind of you know gaining a little bit of visibility from sure. that. And so I had the advantage of some of the the, the people at Two Camera In were like familiar with gotcha. my writing stuff gotcha. that they had read some of the articles I had written, and so I came up to them, and they they at least had heard of me before we started talking, That's and I could helpful. be like, I'm a level designer. I shipped these levels. Here's some video of it. Also, you guys kind of know what my like Mantra. design yeah, yeah. thought process is, and so it was a really good time for them to be like, well, this guy shipped one expansion pack. He's not like you know a ten-year veteran of the industry or anything, but you know he, it, we like how he thinks we're interested right. in what he would do. He he has some practical experience. We're right at the beginning of the project. He can learn a lot about how to implement stuff like over the course of sure. dev. Yeah, you know, they. I would not have been hired in the last six months of that project, but yeah. I was hired yeah, yeah, in yeah. like the first you know six months. Um, our one of our our other um, level designer at Fulbright now working on Tacoma. 
um, is Tynan Wales, and he and I were the first two level designers that they hired on Bioshock 2. He started um, the same week as me. Um, and he had never worked on first-person games at all. He yeah. was, like, an indie game developer from, like, before indie games were really a thing. He, sure. like, he won an IGF award in, like, 2004, okay. you know? It was, like, you know, kind of, like, pre-Braid, pre-World sure. of Goo, etc. Sure, 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 sure. Um, but he had worked with um, Mark LeBlanc and other people that were, like, ex-Looking Glass, you know, like, mm -hmm. people that had gone on to make their own small studio. So he kind of, like, had that connection to that kind of way of thinking about design, and he had made his own games and stuff like that. So similarly, they're kind of like, well, you've never been an FPS designer before. But you make cool stuff. You have an interesting background. We we think that we we you know we connect with your outlook. We're going to give you a chance on this, right? So, so are you guys shitting bricks? You talk to him, and he's like, I've made it again. I I don't really know what I'm doing either. And you're like, oh, that's okay. We're just working on Bioshock <laughs> Two, the follow up to this game that everyone well, lost their well, mind for. And guess what? We're not the, the guys who made that game. That was the thing. Like, I mean, I I almost didn't even consider applying for that job. Yeah, you know, like I. I, I knew people in the industry like so. Um, you know, Greg Kasavin, mm -hmm. um, who now Super works giant. at Supergiant, yeah, um, and was the writer of Bastion and Transistor. Um, no, we didn't talk about Transistor, just Bastion. PlayStation Vita's best game. <laughs> now I'm just a huge Bastion fan. Okay, you know, I mean, as am I. Yeah, but I'm not a hater. Oh, I'm not a hater either. <laughs> I just I had every, for like literally for four years. Every time I saw him, I had to be like, "When's it coming to PlayStation?" It finally came to PlayStation. Right. When's it coming to Vita? You know what I mean? <laughs> We're just finally on speaking terms again, me and Greg. Yeah, well, we'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and so uh, he was still at, uh, no, he wasn't, he wasn't at GameStop at the, or GameSpot. Sorry. I do it all the time, too. Um, he wasn't still at GameSpot, but I knew him from when he had sure. been at GameSpot. Um, and, and we kind of had, we had, like, emailed each other and sure. stuff like that. And he was working in the industry at that point, like, as a producer um, slash designer. Um, and he had been talking to the 2K Marin guys at some point, and, and I met him in person for the first time at GDC that year. Yeah. And he really encouraged me. He was like, hey, are you like thinking of trying to find something in town? Because I really think that you'd be a good match for 2K Marin. I was like, well, they made Bioshock. Like, I shipped an expansion. <laughs> I, shipped a, I shipped, like, the second expansion pack yeah. for a good game. Yeah, you know, yeah. but it's like, and like, why would they want to talk to me? Sure, you know what I mean? Sure. I, I was like, they made Bioshock. Why would they want to talk to me? He was like, you should at least just go talk to them, right? And then, like, um, Chris Remo, who ended up doing the music for Gone Home, and he's doing the music for Firewatch. Um, and, good dude. And the founder of Idle Thumbs. Never heard um, of It's a good podcast. Okay. Uh, it's kind of funny. Don't do that. <laughs> That's when my lawyer, Kevin Coelho, gets involved. Give me the straight face. Thank you. Um, so he, uh, he was still in journalism at the time. He was working at Shack News. Yeah. And he had an appointment at the 2K booth to interview Ken Levine. And he was like, oh, I'm going to the 2K booth. Like, you should just come with me. I was like, okay. And so I went over there, and, 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 and some of the 2K Marine guys were there, and I just started talking to them. Nice. I was like, hey, you know, uh, uh, I'm Steve. <laughs> um, and they were like, oh, Steve, you wrote that article? You know, I'm like, yeah, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so... I was thinking the same thing, right? Yeah. But like, people that I knew basically were like, "Dude, just like, just get, just talk to him." Yeah. Maybe because maybe, right? What's well, the worst know. that can happen? Yeah, exactly. And so you know, I was, I had one of the most stressful weeks of my life when like I went in. No, I didn't go. I hadn't gone in for the interview yet, but I, or had I? Anyway, I don't remember the order of operations. But like, I sent in my like design test for like a written design test for the thing, 
for the for for the potential level. And what's that? You, that's you describing the level you would build for this kind of game. Yeah, they um they had an inter- the kind of interesting design test for that where they had you take part of a level from Bioshock One and just say imagine stripping all of the like gameplay out of mm-hmm. this. And I was like. That sounds like a great idea. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, but but they're like, take all of the like security and enemies and scripting and stuff out mentally, and then just like pitch us if you just had that space, what you would like Build. describe the gameplay that you would put into this. Mm. Like they gave me, they basically gave me like a different pitch for what would happen there, and they were like, what, how would you build gotcha. this pitch gotcha, for gotcha, for gotcha. this part of the game? Um, so you just wrote it out, and since I had, um, you know, since I'd done art in. Up to that point, I, I like did little hand drawn illustrations of like splicers and stuff. Uh, I think I pitched, yeah, I pitched that there was there that there had been a party going on in the bar in one of the in the the fighting McDonough's bar in um in Neptune's Pride in uh no Neptune's Bounty Neptune's Pride is a different game um in Bioshock One and uh, and and I pitched a drunk party splicer that had a party hat on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, so I drew my like drunk party splicers like, Ugh. um, and I I assume they found that cute. Um, because yeah, I sent it in and then I just remember like I was just I was just like dying of stress so much, just like wondering if it was gonna get a callback. Sure, basically, I would sure. just like check my email. And then just like go stress out, yeah, and then yeah, check yeah. my email. Like, <laughs> but like, yeah. Luckily, they were like, "Okay, we'll bring you in for an interview." You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah. No, I I ended up um, kind of uh, being the right fit for that stage in the in the studio's life. Um, and yeah, uh, it's it's still like even now, half of our studio is X Two K Marin and our programmer Tynan. No, sorry, our our programmer Leon started on the same day as me, and our level designer Tynan started on the same week as me. So like we were like right in there. Two K must hate you. You just came in, you took all these people out with you. That, I've, that, I've always said this. That was I after Two K Marin. No, Most of those people. Fine. I guess they don't hate you then. I don't think they do. Okay. Do you think they do, Kevin? Kevin do they hate him? Does Two K hate Steve? I don't think companies get mad about that. I've always said, uh, yeah. You don't think companies have feelings? Yeah, no. (laughs) I don't think companies are real people. Yeah. Okay. I mean, if you work at a company and you leave and you take a whole bunch of those people, I think that company generally doesn't care. Shut up. Joke! So yeah, level designer, Bioshock 2. So how long do you stay on at 2K Marin? Because you do Bioshock 2, but then you go and you work on this thing called Minerva's Den. Yeah. So I was on, yeah, Bioshock 2 from pretty early in development, and that game... I think the game actually had a pretty pretty tight development schedule. That mm-hmm. game was like less than two years, I think. Okay. I think it was like 18, 19 months, something like that. Sure. I can't remember exactly, but um, maybe it was like a year and eight months or something. Um, but uh, so I was on from from pretty early. Um, and yeah, you know, I, I had been, uh, I, I built, let's see, I built um, Popper's Drop, which was the fourth level of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went, Back and built um, the first level of the game, like because okay. a lot of times you kind of build the first level last, to, so you know what you're setting up. And sure. so I was the guy that caught having to do the intro level. No um, big deal. Yeah, no problem. Uh, <laughs> and so you know that uh, to to your point, that means that on some level they like built Believe. trust in yeah, yeah, me yeah. over the course of development up to that point to think that I could take the first level, and I did that and worked out fine. And um, and so you know at that point. 
they were so there, there was internally they were kind of like okay we're not even going to talk about DLC until the main game is locked because we have because like main game has to get out we can't be sure. splitting our attention whatever um, but I had been thinking about DLC ideas and basically as soon as the game was locked I started I was kind of like pitching I was like hey uh, I know we're going to do DLC I was thinking you know story DLC like maybe something like this would be cool or whatever you know um, and there, I think there were a lot of people at the studio who were kind of excited to get onto something new. You know, because we've been working on Bioshock sure. stuff for like a long time, right? And Burnout's um, a big problem for game de- developers, right? I mean, that's yeah. what I always hear, especially when you're on something that is like you've been in forever. Yeah. And like, you know, the, the XCOM uh, FPS was like, a, wasn't a new IP, it was still XCOM, but it was yeah. like a totally new creation. So I think a lot of people were excited to, to get onto that. But, you know, I was sort of like, I'm, I'm down for Bioshock. Can, like do, can we do some more Bioshock? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, you know, between between those two aspects, um, the the lead designer um, of the game, Zach McClendon, um, just put a lot of trust in me and pulled me aside one day and, and we went into a meeting room and he was like, all right, so, you know, you've been pitching DLC, did a good job on the main game, uh, you're going to be the lead designer of the DLC, you can write it. And I was like, because <laughs> okay. I because I had helped with writing stuff on the on the main game as well. Sure. Like during the main game, uh, at some point they had been like looking for a contract writer to write like some audio diaries and like some splicer barks and stuff like that. Mm. Um, barks being what enemies say when they're attacking you gotcha. and stuff like that. Um, yeah, you know, there, there's a lot of like reloading, etc. In in games, but like in Bioshock, it's cool because they're all like Demented. crazy splicers, yeah, yeah. so you, they get to say weird stuff, which yeah. is fun. Um, so they were, they were looking for a contract writer for stuff like that, and and at some point I was like, hey, I wrote comics and I write this blog, and I like I to string help. two words together. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like uh, if if you need some help, and they were kind of like, uh, we'll let you know. And then like sometime near the end of development, they were like, we still need more writing. Didn't you say you would do an extra job for the same pay? Okay. <laughs> uh, so so you know I I, I wrote um, I think most of the splicer barks in. Bioshock 2 and some like audio diaries and stuff. Um, so, you know, I, I could kind of like get the tone of Rapture and all sure. that kind of stuff. So they, they um, yeah, they let me write the, the script and all the, all the, the written content for, um, for Minerva's Den. So, yeah, them really going out on a limb and saying like, here's your first, you know, lead gig. Like, go for it. It's a small team. It's a short turnaround. You, you don't get to like, expand the scope or like sure, sure, miss sure. your date or anything just like make something that we can actually ship and make it good um was huge and it was really a really good first experience to be in charge of a small team within a big organization that can help support you and working on like dlc for a sequel to a shipped game it's just like a very stable base with, yeah with a lot of like lego pieces to work with so we were just kind of able to just like execute you know Real quick aside, how abnormal is your story? It feels like I don't hear you. You seem like I'm not saying you skipped rungs on the ladder, mm. but it seems like a meteoric rise to me. Is am I right or wrong about that? I mean, you put in the work. Don't get me wrong. I'm right. not saying like yeah, this, yeah. that, or the other. But it's like oh, no, I'm a sculptor. <laughs> Maybe I'll make games. Oh, I got this. Ch- no, I'm, I'm just doing this Bioshock <laughs> thing on my own. Uh, I mean, I'm certainly very um, fortunate. Sure. Right. You know, yeah. like I, I've had a lot of lucky opportunities, and I've been. I've been, stars have aligned, 
You and know? it's one of those things. I mean, it's, you know, it's one of Definitely. those. It's not luck, obviously. It's talent, right? Talent it, it, it leads to luck. Sometimes it's lucky to be given the opportunity. Sure, you know, it's, sure. it's lucky to even like be in the situation where something like that might happen. Right. You know what I right, mean? Right, right, and, right. and and I'm lucky that I had some of the right things to actually like take advantage of those opportunities when I was lucky enough to have sure. them, right? Yeah. And, and so, like you know, you do have to work really hard to hopefully be able to do the thing you want to do if you're given the opportunity to do it. Mm. Um, but yeah, you know, it's all about like it's being in, it's right place, right time, committing yourself to actually like do t- taking the job seriously when you when 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 you get a crack at it sure. and having a ton of support from from people that believe in you and they can help you do a better job. You know, like I mean at on so Carla and I, Carla Zamanja is my creative partner at, at Fulbright. Um, we started working together um, on Bioshock 2 at 2 Cameron. Um, she was kind of like a script supervisor, um, like VO production um, person was one of the hats she wore on the main game. And so we started working together when I was writing splicer barks for the main game and writing audio diaries and stuff. And I would submit my scripts and her job was to like, you know, format them and everything. But she also like gave me feedback on the writing while I was doing it. And we kind of developed a back and forth of her making my writing better and being like, do you really want to say this or whatever? Um, and so on Minerva's Den, we uh, continued that, and she was one of the full-time members of that team, and so she was, like, my story editor for all of the writing stuff. You know, the story, the audio diaries, the actual plot, etc. Um, on Minerva's Den, and she's also a 2D artist, so she had done, like, a bunch of posters and 2D art in the main game, and then she did mm-hmm. all of that mm-hmm. for Minerva's Den. And so going forward, you know, uh, working on Gone Home, that was, like, why we made the game that we did, basically, because it was. I know, but I'm just saying your stories here. I'm just saying. uh, I I think that you know it's easy to say like, I X Y Z, you know. Mm -hmm. But it's Mm -hmm. sort of like I think part of. I guess what I'm trying to say is, part of getting to a place where you're able to do stuff like that is recognizing how you can work with other people to make you more able to do good stuff. Sure. As opposed to just saying like. I'm so awesome, I'm going to nail it. You know, yep. it's it's more like, well, if I worked with them and they could get us to a really good place, then we could do something great together. Right. You know, so it's it's really, you know, it's, you know, it's like even just like I mentioned about, you know, like my, my professor in college or like my wife being, taking into account that I wanted to get into games where she, when she decided to go to, to school where she went. You know, just like all yeah. that kind of stuff. It's sort of like... You have a good team. It's the, yeah, it's it's the ability to know how to kind of like rely on on people um i think to 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 get somewhere together yeah. you know? well said yeah so games games nervous den comes out yeah and multiple people not just marty say it's the best dlc of all time does that earn you sneers in the office cuz you've come out you outclassed everybody else already <laughs> you're this young kid nobody believed in there you go kevin's nodding in agreement yeah well he's pissed it out, Kev. Kind of, kind of ugly, yeah, there <laughs> no, Kevin was like, "Yeah, you mother." Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, stealing what's bread your, off that what's table. What's your problem? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, everybody hated me. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it was, it was. Um, I think it was. I think it was. I think it was something that everybody who got to to work on it felt really lucky to be a part of yeah. because it was sort of like. There is so much overhead. There is so much. There's so many 
big challenges when you're trying to make a game like the main game of Bioshock. 2. Sure. Because like they were trying to build a team and a game at the same time. You know, and there had to be multiplayer, and there had to be mm-hmm. like you know, there was all mm-hmm. this, there were all of these these dependencies, all these things pulling it in different directions. There was like we have to we'd figure out how to make a game together as a team. We have to figure out how to make a bio a game that feels like Bioshock, but sure. also feels like it's like expanded in interesting ways. Um, you know, we there, there was just all these kind of like these these different layers of what had to be accomplished all at once, right? right? And so Minerva's Den was basically our opportunity to say like. Now we know how to do all that stuff. We can just make this let's thing. Let's focus. Like, yeah. We have a focus. A singular and, single player. Let's get in there. And so, you know, I think if anything, it was cool to be able to say, like, it was a long road, but we got to make something that was sort of, like, unfettered by, by, by most other overhead except just, like, make some really good Bioshock. You sure. know what I mean? Sure, sure, sure. Um, uh, but, you know, it was, it was also... The last thing that I did at 2K Marin. I was like, going to say, clearly the success went right to your head and you quit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's pretty much what it was. That's the way I understand it. You walked <laughs> in there and you said, I'm out. Well, I mean, some of it was... These were the keys of the studio, by the way. Because I, I, th- I had you throwing something saying you're out. Okay. I just want you to know, it was the key. They gave you the key to the studio. They're like, you're so in charge. I thought maybe it was just like a coffee mug or something. No, why would you do that? That's rude. <laughs> Kevin! Kevin, why? can you believe we let this heathen into the house? Protect all the coffee mugs. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is not the spotted dick. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it, it was kind of it was it was one of those things where it was sort of like I did sign on at Two K Marin because I was a huge fan of Bioshock. I was yeah. a huge fan of System Shock too. You know, I I love those kinds of games and I loved what Irrational did. And we made Bioshock two, made the DLC for Bioshock two. They weren't making any more Bioshock at that studio. Yeah, yeah. And, God, I remember, so I was working on Minerva's Den. And while I was working on Minerva's Den, they, Irrational, released their first, like, pre-rendered trailer for mm, Bioshock Infinite. Right, right, right. And that's the one where it starts, you see the bottom of the sea, you see the rocky, yeah, yeah, et cetera. Yeah. There's a little, like, rapture city. And then... You zoom out, it's and it's like a little right? aquarium, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then a big giant foot like stomps on it and smashes it. And I was working on Minerva's Den, set in Rapture, etc. Yeah, yeah, and I see that teaser, and I'm like, guys, I'm still using that. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, and it, and it was like, I, I just went off, I drove down the highway to In N Out Burger, I had a Sadness Burger all by myself. And I got back to work. And I mean, the joke was on them. It was still like they announced it. Like, we're going to put out in five years. I'm like, what? <laughs> Why are you even telling me about this game? But, you know, that was in my mind that it was sort of like we finished Minerva's Den and the team that made Bioshock is making a new Bioshock. Right. And I just, I just knew it was something that I wanted to try to be a part of. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So after Minerva's Den came out, it was pretty much like my. Unbeknownst to me, it ended up being kind of like my application at so Rational. It was sort yeah. of like, hey, look, I made a bunch of Bioshock. People say it's good. Do you guys like it? Yeah. yeah. I want to do level design for you guys if you've got a spot for me. You know? So so that was the transition for me that I, I wanted to continue working in that space and exploring like what you could do with that property, you know? And 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 work at Irrational with people that I had that made that were that I had idolized that made games right? that yeah, yeah, yeah. I had been a fan of, you know, for years, years yeah. and years and years. You know? yeah, yeah. 
Um, so you go out there. Yeah. And that's all the way out on the East Coast, right? Yeah, it's up in Boston. Do you, mm-hmm. you leave the wife out here again? She no, she came. Okay. She came that time. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we had done enough. We had done enough long distance. I sure. mean, speaking of uh, giving ahead to gone home. Yeah. yeah. My wife and I have been together since high school, and we were in a long distance relationship uh, when we were in high school. So really? Uh-huh. Oh, why? Did you, what? How'd that happen? Uh, we met each other online. In EverQuest, I assume. On, I, on an IRC channel. Oh my god, yeah. really? Yep. Oh, you're such a nerd, I love it. I know. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and so, yeah, we had done a couple of years of long distance, then we did it again when I moved out to Texas, and then that, we were like, that's not there, happening anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah, weren't yeah. married by the, when I moved out to Texas, so oh, sure, it was sure. like additionally hard. So, okay, like we, so, okay. so we were kind of like, there's no more of that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So she came, she had finished her grad school, we went out to Boston together, and uh, yeah, I started working at Rational. Okay. And so what happens? How long are you at Rational? Because you don't um, stay on to ship Bioshock anymore. No, me and Kenny hung out for like a year. Okay. And you realized, this guy is the emperor with no clothes. <laughs> I'm getting out of here. This Ken Levine's duped in industry. Well, I mean, he did walk around the studio naked sometimes. Speaking of spotted dick. No. Um, <laughs> no, uh, but, no I, I was there for a year. Okay. And what, I mean, what happened? I mean, I was, so I was a level designer on, on Bioshock Infinite as well. I was, yeah. I was a senior level designer. Ooh. Um, so I was... Mostly responsible while I was there for um, kind of pitching levels, right? So um, Ken had a general outline for the flow of the game. Like, this happens at the beginning. Here's a specific scene I have in mind. Gotcha, gotcha. Here's kind of the story moment that happens at this next level and what the whole idea of it is. And, like, you know, that. And then, so a lot of my job was to go through and, like, and also take into account, like, the shotgun's going to be introduced here, and this plasma needs to sure. be part of the quest, or whatever. Sure, sure, sure. And and basically write up level design documents, okay. and bring them to Ken and the other leads, and say like, here's what here's here's a pitch for for the specifics of like what happens to the player over the course of the level, um, and then kick it back and forth, and be like, well, that's not really like this thing that I'm thinking of. It doesn't really work with that, or whatever. Um, and then you know, once we got to the point where a level pitch was like solid enough. Mm-hmm. I worked with um, a level artist to to do like the first like gray block like you know prototype for it. So um, I did the level docs and um, first like gray block of a lot of the levels. Now like some of the levels, a fair amount of of things in kind of like the first half two thirds of the game. Okay. Um, the the level that I was the most responsible for that kind of like I got. For this, before I left, was um, Finkton, the like factory town. Oh right, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you're like jumping back and forth between dimensions to try to like start the revolution, etc. Um, so it was it was really cool. Um, it was like I'm I'm a hundred percent aware and grateful for the fact that like I kind of had the job that you would want if you were a designer. Sure. Where it's like my job is to Sit around with Ken and be like, "Here's what I think would be cool if it was in the game, Dad." Yeah, you know, yeah, and he's yeah, like, yeah. "Well, I don't know about that." I don't and know, son. You, yeah. <laughs> um, and so you know, because a lot of the, on the one hand, a lot of the job was like, come up with ideas, come up with concrete pitches for like, here's the flow, et cetera. Bring them to Ken, see what he thinks. Yeah. And like, that's great. That's like, that's a great learning experience for someone to be like, this guy who's made stuff that I'm such a fan of. Here's yeah. how he thinks and how he would react to my first version of like X, Y, Z, et cetera. Um, it's also a really hard job for your job description to be come up with ideas that some other guy is going to think are cool. Yeah. You know? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like you aren't going to bat a thousand on that. Yep. You're going to think something's awesome and he's going to be like, 
That's not really how I was picturing it. And that's fine. That's the whole point. Sure. But like you're just going to get shot down a lot sure, no matter sure, what, sure, right? Sure, sure. Um, so, but like all of that aside, the biggest thing for for me was, you know, I I worked there for for a year and by the end of the year, I just realized I had gone from working on a pretty big team on a big project on BioShock 2 it was like 80 something people on site there um, to on Minerva's then, it was nine full-time developers for you like charge for like nine months. Yeah. Um, and then going back to Irrational and it being like 100 plus people on a project that had already been going for like two or three years before I got there, yeah. right? And despite all of the really positive things about like getting to work on a really ambitious project with people who have been doing amazing stuff for decades, learning a ton from them, being able to contribute, I just realized it's like I don't I don't think that I want to work on games this big anymore mm -hmm. you know because like when you're on a game that huge I think no matter who you are you just can't see the whole thing at once oh sure you just can't you just don't know every it's it's too big to like fit in your vision you know it's just yeah, like no, and so um I think you know even if you're even if you're Ken your job is to kind of like hold the vision of all of it but like just so much of it, yeah. right? And and something that was wonderful about working on Minerva's Den and then later working on Gone Home is you can have the entire team that's making the thing sit around together in one room and you can kind of be like, hey, I think we should try this. Could we do that? And the programmer you know, can, like, yes can no, be like, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll give it a shot and maybe if we could do it this other way and then half an hour later, like I got that thing on screen, it's like, Let's do the second one. You were actually right. And then it's yeah, in the yeah, game, yeah. right? Um, and, and just that. Um, and it's small enough that you can be like, I actually know everything Start that's in finish, this game. Like, there, there's thing. nothing that I'm like, oh, that's in our game. You know, yeah, it's yeah. like, no, I mean, the game, like, it, it all fits, right? Um, and and, and that, that difference in, in scope and just kind of like your relationship to the project, I think, was, um, was just really stark for me. You know, and yeah. so so I had been there for a year, and it was one of those things where I I was at that point where I needed to commit to shipping the game, mm -hmm. or I needed to get out before I was just fucking other people over. Sure. Because if you leave right in the middle of like the crunchiest crunch, somebody else is just screwed, right? Yeah. Like yeah. You're, everybody's already doing too much work. Now other people have to pick up all the work that you're not. There's not time to replace you. There's not time to train somebody. somebody yeah, exactly. You can't bring somebody up to speed on what you're doing. Right. Yeah. And so I was sort of like, okay, I've been here for a year. I either need to stay through this thing being out the door, or I just need to say, like, I'm really sorry, guys, but, like, I have to do the right thing and, like, break off now while if it's not going to... If your heart's gonna... not in it, right, that's a completely different yeah, thing, too. If, yeah, yeah, you're going to be miserable, but sure, you're going to make people miserable around you. The work will suffer. Yeah, and frankly, we, we just... My wife and I just wanted to get back to Portland as well. Like, she's from Portland. I went to, to college um, in Portland. I lived in Oregon for, like, I think four years before we moved down to San Francisco. Yeah. It was where... It, it was what I thought of as home. It was like my adoptive home, sure. you know, sure, sure, and, and sure. it's where my wife was from. So we were just sort of like, if we're going to do it, we just need to like get off of the treadmill of like, well, it's not a treadmill, but like off of the track of like chasing jobs around the country, going yeah. where the thing is, whatever. If we just, if we've just decided we're at that point where we need to like go to where we want to be and then figure out how we can make that work, we yeah. just need to do it. Right. So we moved back to Portland and, um, and just had to figure it out from there, you know. But was that I said figure it out from there? Did, <laughs> I mean, you're blowing. You're, <laughs> you're just gonna figure it out. <laughs> like, I'm I'm gonna gonna it. You. 
What? So you you blow it up? I mean, does does your wife have a job in Portland? I blow it up. You blow it up. You blow up your life in Boston. This so is. I, I'm using I, the I wily plunge, coy- I coyote. I dynamite. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. We're gonna move back to Portland, honey. Yeah. Does she have a job? Do you know you're going there to found a video game studio and make things? Or not really. I mean, I. I started talking to Carla and Yanaman, the co-founders of the Fulbright Company, um, pretty, you know, around when I decided were to... Were they still at 2K? Yeah, they okay. were still at 2K here in San Francisco. Sure. Um, but all I knew was we were going to move back to Portland. And I did, like, some contracting work. I did, like, some remote contracting work um, in the meantime, okay. um, kind of between getting here and starting working on Gone Home. Um, but it was the kind of thing where it was like, well, you know, I can, I can do, like contracting, consulting, whatever kind of stuff, and sure. just try to kind of make it work. Um, but if I want to keep making the kind of games that like I know how to make and that I want to to be working on like in, uh, in a uh, uh, kind of like tangible way, mm-hmm. in that like visceral way of like this is the kind of stuff I want to be making, then I just have to figure out how to, how to start something up ourselves. You know, because sure. sure. especially at that time, um, and still now, um, Portland isn't a town where you can just like apply for a level design job somewhere. <laughs> there, there's not studios like that yeah. there, and so it was sort of like it was also at the time where like Dear Esther mm-hmm. and um, Amnesia and uh, yeah, it was post Braid and Limbo and Bastion, um, and there was sort so of indie was the thing. There was sort yeah, of that yeah. feeling of like, oh, you can do this now. Like yeah. you can have a small team and make something that's really cool that. No one's that 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 is unique and people haven't played before, and you can get it out there and like make that a success. And so, it was sort of the the synthesis of those two things to say like, if I'm going to be in Portland and want to do something like what I know how to do, I have to figure out how to like start something up. And if you can get a small team together and 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 figure out how to how to make something that like stands out, you can actually make a go of it, right? And so that so that was what was really a motivator for saying like, if I can get a couple of people. That we've all worked together, that we have a skill set that can like add up to mm-hmm. a game, mm-hmm. have them come up to Portland where it's way cheaper than the Bay Area, et cetera, et cetera. Like maybe we can make something happen, you know? So was it a hard sell to do that with these folks down here that are living in Marin? The good life at 2K where they're throwing darts at your face every day on a board, this guy left us. Uh, I don't, th- I mean, I don't want to speak for them, but I don't really think so. Yeah. I mean, I think that they were both at a point where. They were interested in kind of like getting out of like the big AAA space, sure. and I mean, it's one of the things about like starting a thing like that is some of it is just down to um, being lucky that the people that you know who have skills also have the availability to take a risk like this, mm-hmm. right? Like none of us had kids, um, you know. They the the my other two co-founders weren't married, um, you know. Like they could just sort of say like. We've got savings. Nobody's going to be let down if I just pick up and move and yeah. take a risk on this thing. Let's go for it. You know, it, it was it was just a time and place and, and situation kind of thing, right? Um, and uh, so you know, because like I think a lot of people just don't just don't have the option. They're like, well, I've got kids and oh, I've course, got a yeah. mortgage and I've got student loans and it's just like, but it's also just you know, I, I need a salary. I need. That- I can't like. I can't just like live without a salary for long enough to sure, do something sure, like this, sure, or, I, sure. or I can't uproot my family to to do this or whatever, right? So like, as far as luck and opportunity goes, it was just sort of like right people, right time, right, right. situation to actually like 
run with it. Because, I mean, we talk about all the time, you know, like when we left, right, and we always talk about, oh, we left the sure thing to come do this. Like, we had, you know, money coming in right away. Yeah. You know what I mean? When you guys leave and you're going to go find a studio and stuff, it's going to be years until you put out a product, right? So this is it. Spotted dick sponge pudding. Yeah, it's an it's a British thing, and that's why I was saying. It says microwavable. He, yeah, you take it out of the can first. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna microwave. say you, you shouldn't put like you shouldn't assume that the audience for spotted dick knows enough about microwave technology technology sure. to not just put the you shouldn't put that on the can. But see, this is very this that is, implies the can is microwavable. This to me. is very similar to burritos here in San Francisco. Stick right. with me in the way that I think spotted dick. Is such a staple over there in Mary okay. Old England that they they know, they've grown up on it. Everybody right. knows you don't they're, put the can. Like in the you thing. take it out of the can, governor. Exactly, uh, governor. Oh, hey, governor, take it out of the can, don't you? But the, it's the same way here. When uh, we, we yours bring, was worse than mine. Somehow. No, mine was spot on actually. Spotted dick on. Okay. Uh, the same thing here now in San Francisco. How many times I watch people get a burrito and they start to unwrap the? Oh entire, yeah. You're like, Whoa, Whoa, what buddy. are you doing? That's not how you From do it. From the top. Yeah, and they're like, so I do it in Texas. Where I'm like, well, Texas is fucked up. Don't do that. One of the worst things. Exactly, this. of course. Um, I don't remember what we were talking about. We're talking about, we're building up to Gone Home. Cool. We were talking about, you got everybody out. Yeah. Everybody's doing it. Everybody's coming up. They're getting ready to. Okay. Taking chances. Yes. How do you get, how do you get them to come up there with no money? Oh, like, right. Are you just like, well, you, leave your big company job that has benefits and all this other stuff and all, it's all amazing and come up here and maybe in a year and a half I'll have some money that we can give you. Yeah. <laughs> Is that, I mean, here's the thing about it is like, you know, again, like you guys are all artists and stuff and you're smoking your cigarettes and your little berets on the side there and your little striped shirts. Uh-huh. You're all excited to be, is it really just that love of the art and the belief of the project? And so then when you're pitching them of like, hey guys, I got this radical idea. I fucked up my life and moved to Portland. Why don't you come up here too and then unfuck my life? Because <laughs> I'll get, if you come up here and unfuck mine, then we get to make games together. Did you have Fair the, enough. did you already have, I just punched Portel. Did you already have the idea for Gone Home? Portilla. Did you already, did you have a pitch to give them or were you just pitching them on coming up and let's make something? Um, I think it was somewhere in between. So like, I, we, we had the advantage of, we had worked together before. Yeah. Um, they had seen me lead a project that sure. So they believe that in you. Came out and was good. Yeah. You know. Um, and I had a you know I, I had a pitch. Um, the pitch I started with was more complex than the one we ended up with. It sure. was just like it, just, it would it would have been too much stuff to build. But it was it started from a pitch of like a non combat first person game. Okay. Um, that that had you know a few more moving parts to it. But I was sort of like I think we could do this. Blah blah blah. And then as they you know as as everybody got on board. We kind of refined it and pushed gotcha. it and said, like, uh, if we focused it down even more, if we just said, like, what if it's just exploring the space, finding the story of what happened there, finding the evidence of these people's lives, right, notes, and right. environmental storytelling, and, and hearing the story in these characters' own words, that that can be, like, the whole experience, right? Sure. And speaking of my, like, blog and everything, it was sort of the culmination of a bunch of design ideas that I had been working towards kind of like in what I was writing about and what I was thinking about for a lot of years, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I don't think that was really a factor in in them deciding sure. what, whether to do a thing or not, but it was sort of like, the idea didn't, didn't come out of nowhere. It was sort of like, for me, I think, it was like, well, this is the time where all that stuff I've been thinking about can actually be like the solution to the problem of like, is that this is something we could make. You okay. know, this is something I've thought about how this could be 
the heart of an experience if we could invest in it and make it again that was small enough to like be all about that and et cetera, right? Yeah. So um, before they actually got to Portland and like got on site and we started- Bags are, you're walking up to your front door, yeah. Yeah, um, we, had, we had come up with the idea of Gone Home and we had like basic like design documents for Gone Home and mm-hmm. we, you know, we're starting to try some stuff out in Unity and everything. Um, so, you know, by the time that, that they were there, we could really say like, we know what project we're working on and we okay. can start putting it on screen, you know. So time out. Now's when the spoilers will start. Okay. For Gone Home. I'm going to do a whole, I'm, in my head, I've designed the fact that we talked for an hour and 15 minutes about, in the Gone Home cast, not about Gone Home. Yeah. That I want to do a thing at the front. Where I'm going to say, hey, I mentioned the very beginning spoilers, you got a long time. So just right, hang out right. if you want to find out about how he became Stick around to the 115 mark. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's like, yeah, of course, where am I going to go? So, <laughs> you talked about, your, you just said, you know, you had this stuff you'd been kicking around and all these different things to make mm-hmm. this part. Does it start with the story or does it start with the mechanics? Was it that you wanted to tell the story or was it that you wanted to have first-person non-combat ex- exploration? It definitely starts with the mechanics. Okay. Um, is that something, I mean, what, is that like during Minerva's Den, Bioshock, you're like, this is fun, but it'd be cool to walk around and not have any gun and not have anything. Well, I mean, that is how Minerva's Den ends, right? right? That's the last, like, ten minutes of Minerva's Den. Um, that was our opportunity to say, like... You've beaten the boss. You're past the point of like combat being relevant. Any like, you've gotten past like the story climax. You mm-hmm. know, so all that's left here is just to like tail out the story and just let you kind of sit with it. Sure, and so sure. we we took that kind of it was you know a little bit of a risk, or just sort of something you know sort of unorthodox to be like okay, you're gonna beat the last boss and go down this elevator and then we're just gonna you know not. Not call it out, but we're just going to put your hands down, and the rest of the thing is just like listen to an audio diary, explore this space, get to mm-hmm. the end, um, finish it up, have closure yeah, in that yeah. way, right? Um, and so, Gone Home was an extension, you know, was like a continued exploration of that. Um, but uh, I, I just think it's really important to always start first from what is the player doing. You know what I mean, like. And that and that's what led to all of our creative decisions. Mm-hmm. So for us, it was like you you start from the point of I or you know we started from the point of I think it would be really interesting if the player was just able to explore space really deeply interactively, open all of the cabinets and drawers and dig through and find things behind you know something that fell behind the dresser and like just a little scrap of paper and a note and and put all these pieces together into the story that happened here and if you know because that's like that's a relatively small part of a lot of bigger games you know that's a that's an important aspect like a sub part sure, of like bioshock main, or exactly. whatever and it's kind of chicken and egg where because it's not the thing the game is about it's not like the most robustly kind of supported part of the experience and because it's not super robustly supported you can't make it really go into like game. deep detail into to that stuff right and so our thinking was, you know, if you can, yeah, open all the drawers and you can look under the bed and you can like zoom in on things and you can read multiple pages of every document, et cetera, then then that robustness and that level of detail to just the experience of just like be in a place, investigate it, be a detective, find out, you know, what what the story uh, of this place, how it led to the state that it's in now, that that could be, you know, the whole game. And so that's that's the starting point. And going from there to then like, okay, well, if that's true, you could apply that to 
whatever. You, know, sure. you, you could apply it to a fantasy setting. You could apply it to an ancient times setting or, let's say, a far future space station uh, setting. Sure. <laughs> um, but, uh, but um, you know, we were sort of like, you could apply this to just like a family's house. You know, like, because part of... Part of it was like we're a small team. Mm-hmm. We can't build a city. You know, we can't build a what? You know, we, they, if we want to make a game where it's contingent upon every space being really dense with stuff to find that's yeah. meaningful, it's kind of like well, we could build a family's house. Every square foot of a family's house tells you something about who the people are that live here, right? And so then that leads to like. Okay, well, so who are the people that live in the house, and what did happen to them, and when did it take place? You mm-hmm. know, like, mm-hmm. and and where is this house, and you know, what kind of house is all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Um, but it definitely didn't start from. We want to tell this story about these girls in the '90s. How do we do that? Sure. Yeah, you know, it sure, was more sure, like sure. we want to we want to have this experience that has all these requirements of like what would make it interesting, what can best express those mechanics and that that kind of like interactive paradigm in a way that we can actually build it you know that yeah. we don't need a team of 100 people to build it okay. so then you're kicking this around you have the idea that folks move up and you all live in a house together right wasn't that yeah. the deal yep that's um, awesome yeah we rented a house together uh, never heard of anybody else that did anything like that no um, never there's never been a bunch of people who live in the same house and make much stuff don't look at my castle walls clearly <laughs> my San Francisco home studio uh, yeah yeah we, we rented a house together in Portland the three of us and um, and then our 3D artist Kate lives up in Canada so she worked remotely and came down to visit sometimes gotcha yeah and so we're saying that you know it doesn't start with these. We're going to tell a story about two girls in the '90s or whatever. When does that enter the equation? That's fairly soon after. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that from a writing perspective, um, you know, our point of view was takes place in a family's house. Mm-hmm. The whole game is going to take place inside the house. So like, this has to be about drama between the family members sure. who live here, yeah, right? Because yeah. it can't be about. I mean. There's events in the game that take place outside of the house, but it can't be about like inherently stuff that isn't about con- like drama between the, the the family members. And so, you know, we were like, what are some some examples of that? What are some like classic kind of reasons that there can be these like irreconcilable differences between family members, between generations, you know, between parents and kids or whatever, right? Yeah. And so we were like, well, you know, one. Classic examples like Romeo and Juliet, sure, right? Because we we're like, okay, we want if we want like kind of the protagonist or the, the 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 center of the story that you're following to be a teenager, it's like teenage love. That's like a you know that's something that um, you know can be very volatile, right? That can that can lead to an interesting story. And so Romeo and Juliet, maybe not like Montagues and Capulets, <laughs> are like super relevant to yeah, like yeah. you know a game that takes place in the '90s. But we we're like, okay, but you know the the Kid falls in love with somebody that their family doesn't approve of. A modern version of that is like a gay love story. Sure. You know, she falls in love with another girl. Her parents don't approve. Society doesn't approve. Like, how does she as an individual deal with that? Like, what it, and 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 how does it lead to there not being anybody in the house at the end? Because mm-hmm. it was sort mm-hmm. of like a a, mecha- a pitch for the mechanics of the game. It's just like it's just you and the environment. There isn't anybody else around. So where did everybody go? Is sure. like the question you have to answer. Um, and so we were like, okay, you know, if it's about Sam and it's about who she falls in love with and it's about why they're not here anymore, 
what are the events of a story and what are the details of the characters and the setting and everything else that leads to that. Yeah. And, and so, you know, it's like, it's really useful. You know, it's, uh, you, you talk about how constraints lead to creativity and uh, necessity is the mother of invention and, you know, like a, a lot of uh, lame aspirisms. Uh, no, and, they're not lame. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so, like, those are, like, the mechanical and scope restrictions. Those are like good constraints mm. that lead to you not just having like a blank page in front of you and being like, what story are we gonna tell? I don't know, but being like, we have these we have these like practical problems in front of us for like what we can do with this game. Sure. And what the player can do in the game. And so like, how does our fiction answer those questions? Not just like, what do we wanna write about today? You know what oh, I mean? Oh, interesting, interesting. Okay, okay. Um, so we wouldn't have written the story that we wrote if it wasn't for saying, like, here's what you can do in the game. One here's person how... in the house, and we only have a house. Right. Yeah. 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 It's just the player, a house, here's the stuff you can do. Okay. You know, what? what's an interesting thing to find out in what supports that? You know what I mean? So, like, how, I guess for this brainstorming and for how this is happening, how, how long is that process? Is that every day before you set off to do something? Because for me, like, the thing about it is, and this is something I've, I've been talking about a lot on Kind of Funny with, Emily's Away. Did you play that yet? I've, I've played some of it. I didn't, yeah. I, I think I played, like, an early version of it. What I talk about with Emily is Away, right, is the fact that she, all it is is this text adventure, right, through AIM yeah. or whatever. Yeah. But in reality, for me, it's a time machine. Right. Because I play it and I'm back at my desk at Mizzou. You right. Know, in 2001 when I left, uh, you know, went away to college. Yeah. And was you've, doing it. You've got your, you've got your Lincoln Park uh, yeah, user icon. Yeah, totally. Yeah, my little Blink-182 <laughs> one down there. And that's the thing, same way with Gone Home. Mm-hmm. Where right. playing it, and I'm, yeah, I, you know, my story's tired and everybody's heard it before, but I knew nothing about it. I just right. knew that I needed to play it. Everyone, like Marty put up the review, I scrolled the score, and I was like, okay, great. And then I yeah. remember... Uh, Justin McElroy was saying the same thing. Just go play this. Don't read anything about it. Da, da, da. And so I went and did it that one weekend. And I wasn't prepared to go back to my childhood home, right? right. Which is like, sure. and like, again, like, and I always talk about it, like in Emily is Away, it makes me mis- nostalgic for things I didn't even know I missed. Right. And this is the same way of opening a drawer and I'm like, this is my mom's junk drawer. I remember this where it was just pads and pens and papers and all this other junk and like rubber bands and right. like those little clips. You're like, awesome. And then you, it's everywhere you turn in that house, there you're like, this isn't my house, but it's my house. You right. know what I mean? Like, yeah. Those building blocks are so crazy because I can't imagine building something like that because, again, I wouldn't know what I was missing, I feel like. Sure. Well, and that's a big part of why... So, again, the, me- the mechanical constraints are why we chose the time period and the setting, which is to say, like, oh, sure. you know, we were like, we don't want there to be email. We don't want there to be... Where is everybody? Let me call any of them yeah, exactly. who are constantly All dialed text, into everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, I, like, because, you know, part of the... the the premise for the game ends up being that, um, or ended up being that the player character you're playing as, Katie, has been away in Europe for a year. And her only contact with the family has been like postcards. Yeah. Nowadays, you'd be on Facebook with them every she day. Face she knows time. exactly what's going yeah. on, right? Um, and, and so, you know, we, we were like, okay, well, mid 90s is because we wanted to rewind the clock as little as possible. But to the point where you're still finding sticky notes and hearing answering machine messages yeah, yeah, yeah. and seeing like, Physical TV guide, you know, Trapper clippings, yeah. SNES cartridges. Well, yeah. I mean, so that's the, but that's a, that's kind of the other side of it, though, right? Because our reason for saying it's 1995 is so there would be newspaper clippings, and mm-hmm. so there would be mm-hmm. like handwritten letters that mom's friend had sent to her in the mail yeah, that you can yeah. find in a drawer. Because what we need to do is say, like, mechanically, the game is 
explore every inch of this house and just find bits and pieces of the story everywhere. So there's a letter in this drawer, and there's a note from school in Sam's backpack, and there's a, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and in this day and age, it would all just be Facebook posts and emails and, and text messages. Sure. And so then the other side of that is once we're like, okay, so it's 1995, all right, we remember the advantage of setting it in a time that you've lived through is you can just remember whether it feels like it's right or not. Right. You can be in the living room and you can be like, I remember my dad used to record a lot of movies off of HBO and just they were hand-labeled on yeah. VHS tapes. We should put that in. You know, like we need the binder from, we need like the Trapper Keeper from school. We need the Magic Eyes, you know? So and, did you guys go and look like through your old photo albums and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, some of the the photos in the game are uh, like paintovers of photos of my wife's family. Yeah. Because she and her siblings grew up at the right time and had, had the right distribution of like brothers and sisters and mom, you know, mom and dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We like painted a mustache on my wife's dad. You know? <laughs> um, and it, it was very much like, yeah, let's go back and look through it. Let's like think back to, yeah, what was in my room when I was growing up. I was a little goofy like plastic basketball hoop on the back of the door. You yeah, know, like, yeah. and, and if it felt authentic to us because we were like, oh, I remember this, this should be here. Other people are going to have that same ping of like, oh man, I remember when you did get TV Guide right. in the mail and you had to look at it to see when shows were going to be on TV. You know, I remember having a school, a high school textbook that looked like, a, it had a cover like this, you yeah. know, and, and you remember your dad sending you really disapproving letters. <laughs> Tearing them up, throwing them away. Um, and so, you know, yeah, so hopefully that, that, that from both directions just makes it yeah. feel like authentic. You're sure, like sure, sure. it's like you said, I remember a place like this. Mm -hmm. I feel like I could have been here. Yeah. Yeah, the living room with the big TV and the couch and the pillow for it. So I'm like, that's Mike Boylan's basement. I remember that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. that's how it feels. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So how long do you work on Gone Home the first time? Not this console right. you're putting out now. Um it was about a year and a half. Oh wow, okay. Yeah. When do you know you're onto something? Like you're working on this thing, it's cool, this is great. I ima I, I don't know, but I imagine for you. I mean, people are like, Minerva's Den is the best. Are you, are you like, can I do that again? Am I, am I overthinking this? Da, 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 da. I think it was more a question of like, we were kind of off on our own. So it was sort of like, can we make a game that we just start from a fresh install of Unity yeah. and like get it out in front of people? Yeah. You know, like we, we had savings from when we were working in AAA. It's like, can we actually get this done in the amount of time before we're broke? Before we're broke. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, there was just the question of like, can we make. Can we can we make a game that's just this stuff and do a good enough job with that that it that it supports the whole experience, right? Um, we were encouraged, I think, all the way through. We 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 did a lot of playtesting. Mm -hmm. You know, we sent the game to other developers that we knew that we either worked with before or that we were you know fans of their games and kind of knew them through like conferences or whatever. And um, you know, I, I remember very early on. I had like the earliest, earliest version of the game. It was just like gray block, temp, everything. Um, and I, I, I let somebody who, who we used to work with the two gamer in play it. And I was like, would you want like, would you want to play more of this? Yeah. You yeah. know, like, and he was like, yeah, I would, I, I want to, I want to keep going. <laughs> yeah, I want to yeah. find more stuff. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. And kind of as we kept going and sent play tests out, you know, we were just encouraged that, that, what I, some things that I learned about playtesting from working in at like 2K was, um, you know, the most important questions are like, was there any time that you felt confused or frustrated or bored or you just wanted to quit? Yeah. And 
when we made our IGF demo, which was the whole game up until you open Sam's locker in her room, mm -hmm. basically, um, we were kind of we were sending out playtests with kind of that that question, and you know when we made that demo and 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 showed it to other developers that we knew, it was really consistently like people saying like. I didn't want to stop playing. Like, there's not more. Like, I I have to like I have to know what happens after this part. Or like, you know, we took that build down to San Francisco because um, we lived in Portland at the we'd moved. You know, we were based in Portland by that time. We brought it back down here and showed it to a bunch of press. And we were like, okay, we'll take the build. We'll give you like half an hour to just play it. Sure. And then we can talk to you about it or whatever. And a bunch of you know people that that played it were like. Uh, can I play it for like just another like ten minutes, like fifteen minutes? I I just uh, I haven't finished it yet. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. sort of like, dude, if you know, if if these people like don't want to stop playing this thing that we're still, you know, I've only been working on for like six, eight months, whatever, yeah, yeah. then hopefully we're on a good path. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, hopefully no, we, no. we 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 maintain and like follow that through to the end, and it's like a thing. Um, because all you can ask out of people is that they that they actually just like want to. Keep playing your game till they're done with it. You know, there's so many games. It's just so easy to just be like, oh yeah, I just kind of stopped playing. Oh that. yeah, this got slow, and I stopped to watch TV, and then I found another game and never came and, back. And and that's easier when your game is like two or three hours long. Sure. You know, but sure. that was the whole focus of it was to say like we want to give players a game that you can play it in one long evening or in two evenings. You know, a couple yeah. days in a row and feel like you were really immersed in it. You were fully invested in it, and it ended before you got tired of it and you got to have that closure of saying like wow I just experienced something complete and I remember it and I can take that with me and that was cool and it 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 didn't test my patience it didn't like overstay its welcome it was what it was trying to be no, you know I, mean? I understand exactly what you're saying because like that's the you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna beat my own drum here <sighs> yeah, but I've been are. I've been on the gone home train for a while now. oh yeah I talk about it quite a bit and I appreciate mean? that oh no problem thank you thank well I appreciate you making it so don't worry about it um the thing about it, though, right, is that I've beaten Gone Home once. Yeah. And then you yeah. and I at IGN did a, like a commentary where you, I think you played and showed stuff, and we right. walked over it and stuff. But that I couldn't hear anything. I don't know what's. Right. You know what I mean? Like I've beaten you really Gone Home. Attention, you didn't care. Well, what I'm trying going. to think of the next thing to say, and I got man, Americans is across the street here. Right. I gotta go get a sandwich. No, it's the fact that I've beaten Gone Home once, and I can tell you so much about that and those characters and Sam right. and Lonnie, and the, to the point where I'm emailing fan art, fan artists and asking if I can print them off and you're sending me this and I'm begging you for Christmas duck and stuff yeah. like that. Like, it's, you it talk is. about the impact of a game, right? And like right. how games can, you know, affect us and that's it for me in the way that like, I know Sam and Lonnie, you know what I mean? And like, yeah. I can sit there and draw, you can draw, we can be talking about anything else a, a week from now so we can start talking about that game and I'm right there. And yeah. why I'm so excited for today when it comes out on PSN, it's not today. Today's not today. Right. Uh, when it comes out on PSN, though, because like my, I'm gonna, I'm so excited to get it, download it, and then go into the room, shut the door, put on headphones, and just play it again. You yeah. know what I mean? And just yeah. go through and be back in that world, in that house. You know, the Green Greenbrier residence. And, yeah. You know, like that. The the uh, analog to that, I guess, right, is Last of Us. Whereas, like, I had beaten Last of Us once, and it was awesome and amazing, and I had such a great time with it. And I was getting ready the Jones to play it again. I always said I wouldn't play it again because that was my experience, right? right? The ending I thought was like really well done and came out of nowhere for yeah. me. Da, da, da. Uh, but then it came on PS4. I was like, you know what? I want to play it. I, this is the time. And I put it back in and I made it to about the dam. And I was like, 
it's not the same. You know yeah. what I mean? And yeah, it's right. like, and I still love this game and I still love these characters, but I know that this is a bit slow and I don't want to, and I just fell out of it like and that. And you know you where know? it's going. Yeah, you know, exactly, whatever, exactly, right, sure. exactly. Whereas this one, like, I feel like the minutiae of it, right? Because it's such a dense game of like, yeah. uh, what, I, you know, I, I want to read, like you brought up the mo- the mom's friend's letter. I want to read that again because I remember the time not having the full context of the forestry department and everything, you know what I right. mean? Like, I, yeah. now I to go back and do that and read that and find that again. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, I am heartened by the fact that, you know, that we didn't, we never wanted to do anything that was like randomization or like, you know, things are actually like different when you replay yeah. it yeah, or yeah, anything. Yeah. But a lot of people have kind of, you know, told us that when, you know, they play through it and they pick it back up and play through it again because they're just like, oh, you know, like either they want to just look like, look for one thing and like go back and find it and like yeah. remind themselves about it or they just kind of wanted to run through it again that it seems like a lot of people, you kind of can't help finding stuff that you missed oh, the yeah. first time and hopefully it's additionally interesting because you have the context of kind of knowing what all that stuff's gonna mean mm-hmm. that because maybe, maybe you did see it the first time and it just didn't mean anything. You forgot you had seen it. And you're like, oh, that's like going to be about when, right. et cetera, you know? Um, and that was what we always hoped was that even though the game is totally set, you know, like everything is where it is. When you come back, the and photo not, of uh, Lonnie will still be in that one nothing, drawer. Yeah. None of it's going to actually change, but hopefully your individual experience of it feels unique yeah. and specific to you because you know... Your experience was what you found in what order, and only what, you might have missed some stuff. Oh yeah, and and even that missing information just colors like what your interpretation basically. And that's the thing. Was. And like you know, like I'm talking about you know, well, I expressed to everybody not to watch this till they'd beaten it, right? And the fact of like when I went in, I'll never forget playing that game and thinking it was survival horror, and like right. waiting for the ghost. Where's the creepy thing? Where's the jump scare going to be? And like when I heard, when you hear, like for me, you know, I come in the door, I went left immediately to yeah. the end table, pulled that out, and then I think I immediately went to the, the answer machine underneath the big photo of the family yeah. and played that in the messages. Yeah. And you get the Lonnie message where she's crying and begging Sam to pick up the phone or whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I was like, totally a horror movie. And it wasn't yeah, until, right. it wasn't until like, it was all ramping up at the end where I was like, oh, right, and oh, she was crying. Oh, you know what I mean? When it all comes together, you're right. like, fuck, yes. Yeah, I, 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 was, I was really happy that that stuff all stayed um, under wraps, basically, yeah. like through release, you know, because I I know that I I talked to people who played it on release, you know, who um, went in not really knowing much of anything, um, and uh, in fact, I'm thinking of somebody that that I know who um, who is queer herself and and played it and didn't know anything because if you go around in a house, oh sure sure sure, and she was playing it and she was starting to go through and she found the Lonnie photo and then she found like I think it was the first audio diary where Sam is talking about like noticing Lonnie and how she has a big gold star around her and she had to like find out who she was or whatever and and she told me at that point she was, she was like that was the point where I was like wait is this about yeah, yeah, you yeah, know yeah, and, yeah. and like the fact that people could go in and really have that legitimate sense yeah. of like discovering what the actual heart of the game is without mm. it being on the on the box as it were like I was really grateful that you know, we did that whole preview run yeah. that ends with their first kiss audio diary. So that was out there with all the journalists that played it if they got to that point. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we sent it to reviewers. So many of the reviews were basically just like, uh, stop reading this review and go play this for yourself. Like, yeah. and, and all we ever said to reviewers was just like, 
we don't have any specific stuff we're going to ask you. Just please don't spoil anything you wouldn't have wanted to have spoiled for yourself. Sure. And I and I feel like it's a testament to the degree to which it connected with people that yep. they were like, oh, I wouldn't want any of that this is, spoiled. I'm, I'm just not going to mention it. And it, and it was it it didn't go out there. It still doesn't. That's you know? the thing that yeah. I still find so awesome about it is the fact that every so often if there's some guy who's going to say, say right. some shoddy comment about right, homosexuals, right. that's what he wants to make or whatever and be right. a dick on the internet. But like for the most part, you never see it. And there was even like, there was one time, and I'm talking like in the last six months, yeah. where it was like, uh, the hashtag was like, uh, simplify a game in a sentence. Or, and and, and right. I, the one I put out was, so it turns out she's gay and she's not home. Or she ran away. <laughs> right. And like yeah. there was like, there, even that I was like questionable about because I talked so much about right. going home that I didn't want people to draw that conclusion. Right, right, right. But even then it was like, there was like maybe one kid who was like, this is what, what I think it is. You ruined it for me. I'm like, oh, motherfucker, the game has been out a while. Right. Know, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, but Well, and I, I mean, on some level, like that was the thing. When we were making it, I was really, um, in my own head, I was really adamant that I did not want Sam being gay to be like the twist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Can this all can this also be a Star Wars spoiler cast? Yeah, I think everybody's seen the Force Awakens. If you haven't seen the Force Awakens, we're gonna do the we're gonna. Wait, I, I won't really, it, I won't really do it. But no, I mean, no, do it because here's what we do. We're gonna do the tap. So I'm gonna tap when I tap my head. That means the spoiler starts, and when I tap my head again, that means the spoiler has finished, and you can come back. So mute right now. So people talk about Force Awakens spoilers, yeah. and they're talking about how Han Solo dies, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I don't really think that's even a spoiler. Yeah. Like, the, the, that's not like a, I'm going to spoil. Uh, we can't do a tap within a tap. I'm spoiling Empire Strikes Back. Okay, fuck you, off. you don't get to not have seen <laughs> that. that. That's not a Luke, I am your father spoiler. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. That, Like, it's not that level of the movie is, the twist is ruined if you know this. You yeah, can tap yeah. your head now. Um, You're back, welcome. Yeah, we're, that's no more, no sure, more force. Sure, I feel you on that. I feel and, you. And so I feel like it, I always want it to be the same way with, with just Sam being gay with there being like a lesbian love story in this game is that like I never I never I, it just always felt like it would be feel really cheap to me yeah if you're like and the twist is <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. you know and and so like from my own point of view I don't even consider it a spoiler or like you know a, a detriment to the game sure if you know oh gone home is is it it's about a lesbian love story it's it's about uh your your sister runs away yeah. from home yeah and she's gay Okay, I mean that like you can go in knowing that, yeah. And like, what matters about the experience of the game is finding out who these characters are and how those facts affected them and how they got why, to yeah. To why that you point. got here to this point? And yeah. and so you know, like, of course, there's value to just going in blind and being like, I'm just going to open this box and I have no idea what's going to be inside it. But I think it. My hope is that with Gone Home, even if you know. X, Y, and Z are in this game that you get in, you start playing, and hopefully those those thoughts kind of leave your mind sure. and, and what you're concentrating on is like, wait, but like, how did that happen? Mm-hmm. Who are these people? Yeah, the Why journey, right? was it this way? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I never wanted to make a game that was spoilable in like a Bioshocky way. You right, know, right, right. just like a twist twist. Yeah, yeah. I think it's great to like, kind of shield yourself from knowing too much yeah. but um you know if if you can still get into the experience and kind of immerse yourself in all the the details of what the thing is really about then then hopefully it still works no know? totally for me yeah this is totally 
not selfish. This is totally just on me, right? For me and my lens of playing it, right? For me, the twist was when I when I let myself for a second believe, wait, maybe this is maybe there isn't a horrible thing. You know what I mean? Maybe this is just about them because that was right. the thing of like, it, you know, there was always the creep level, and right. I was like, oh, this is a neat little story, and I'm interested in. It. I'm like, oh, and I remember then the first time when I was like, I gotta get to the next room and find out about this, and then I got that, and I was like. Wait, am I playing a game about this girl falling in love? And then like the light blew up or something. I'm like, nope, back to being a horror game. This is a horror game. Something. And then it was like back and forth, back and forth yeah. until it gets to that like ramp up moment of running up the stairs and pulling down the attic. And I'm like, she's gonna be, ha- she's gonna have hanged herself. I'm gonna walk in here. She's gonna be dead. I'm like, oh thank God. Well, and that's a cra- that that is a crazy thing too. Like, it is. That's one of those things where it's it's sort of like there's the you know the death of the author. There's the whole like the author's intent doesn't matter, and you can like one as the author can be caught by surprise by that because all the until the game came out i never even considered people thinking that she might have killed herself sure. in the attic sure and then people like it was it was really common for people to be like i was so scared she was just going to be like hanging up there i had to get up there cuz but i didn't want to go up cuz i was afraid yeah, of what yeah. i was going to see and i was like and then i i replayed the game through that lens right and i was like I can totally see how yeah, it yeah. seems like we're very intentionally setting that up. You're doing all the Satan stuff, and you got candles. Well, and and, 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 there, and there was kind of a um, yeah, I, the 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 one like the main thing. It's just weird. So like there was kind of like uh, we played with it a little bit because there was like the map that leads you to the secret room that has the pentagram in it under yeah, the yeah. stairs, like says just. There's a note that just says like where we'll do it with an arrow, and then it's like preparations are complete. And it's, and so like I get it that it's sort of like oh you could think like that's where they're gonna kill themselves yeah, yeah. so they don't have to be apart or something you know. But like I hadn't really thought of it that way. I, had, <laughs> I hadn't thought of like like the audio diary that you get when you're going up to the attic. Yeah. Like there's a weird thing. So like um in that audio diary she talks to some of the dialogue is like Lonnie's gone. And uh, the sunset light in this house is the saddest thing I've ever seen. I just want to sleep, and I think I'm gonna go up to the attic and wait. And and like weirdly, totally naively, from my own experience, when I get really stressed out or really like depressed, I just want to sleep a lot. Yeah. Like I think I think it's just like I get stressed out that my brain is just like, why don't we just not be awake for yeah, a while? Yeah, yeah. And and that was. But then I'm like, I could sound like she's like saying like the I just want to kill. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so like. That's one of those things where where it's so weird as a creator because you're like, oh my god, I hope that people don't feel like we're like trivializing, you know, suicide to like get a rise mm-hmm. out of people. Yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. we're gonna make you think she killed herself, and it'll be ah, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, and and but the opposite side of it is like, I when people started saying that, I looked at it and I'm like, that's a totally legitimate interpretation of like because when you're making the thing. You see it in the order that you're putting it into the game. You never get to see it out of order. In the order this, and this is of what, how yeah, the yeah. player and and so like you already know what's going to happen. You know what the stuff you're putting in is going to add up to, and until you see the reaction of a player who only saw the stuff in the order that they encountered it without mm. having any foreknowledge, it can be really hard to say like, oh, if I only knew this in this order. It totally could add up to something different than where I know it's going, but I already knew where it's going, so I yeah. wasn't thinking about what else. You know, and <laughs> so anyway, so so seeing how people how people got so invested in what was going to happen 
to Sam as a person because they felt like they knew her and they cared about her as like a someone that they felt close to over the course of this experience. Like I, I hate to think that that it that we were that we were like that it, that it could come off as being manipulative. That we were because like, I don't because I hate stuff where it's like we're gonna make you love this character and then we're gonna kill him so yeah, you're yeah, sad, yeah. you know. Um, and but I think it is a testament to the fact that the the experience connects with people that they were so worried. And not I, and not and because I think it's gonna like change, not because it's gonna destroy the world or something, yeah, 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 it, yeah. but just because they're like, I don't want something bad to happen to her. And you know? I'm not reading like, you know, your feedback inbox or anything, but I have that even when I thought, oh my God, she's gonna be dead up there and I got up there, I was so relieved. Right. And then you figure out when it's all, when you have that breath and you're like, that's what this meant and that's what the, it was never like, I thought you were building to red herring me. I right. thought it's just the, again, it's the, what's so great about it is that I interpret it Totally in a different way, yeah. you know what I mean? Just yeah, like yeah. I interpreted the lightning strikes, queuing ghosts and right. stuff, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Yeah. No, I mean, but that's that's one of those things where you can just get lucky. Because it could yeah. land on the opposite side where you're just sure. like, sure. oh, we put this thing out here. Everybody thinks it means this one thing and we didn't even consider that. And, you know, it, it, if, if the... If the coin, you know, yeah, falls yeah, the yeah. other way, it can be bad. So, like, I'm, I'm just glad that it kind of, it ended up walking that line, you know, to feel, to feel legit in that way. You know? So, Gone Home comes out. Yep. The you, you take a deep sigh, I imagine, putting it out. Mm-hmm. But then, what's it like in the house slash office mm-hmm. as everyone starts to lose their mind for this? Is it a slow build? Because like I was turned on to it after reviews posted. So, I mean, is it like a trickle of a few weeks of it just getting to be bigger and bigger? Um. It was a really big launch day. Yeah. Because it was like a crazy launch day. Because it was like we we started seeing the reviews. Yeah. You know, because we had sent out review code far enough ahead of time. We, we made a, we, we requested an embargo time so they would all go up after the game was available on Steam, sure. et cetera. And so reviews started going up, you know, right, in quick succession yeah, over yeah. the course of that day. And it was like, we finished the game internally. We all played through the game, you know, and we all, you know, having having said this is content locked, this is what's going out. We should just play through it because this is what people are going to be playing. Yeah, we're all kind of like, you know, I, we think this is good. You know, like we think if we played this, we would like it. Sure, we we think we think we did a good job. Cool. So I think that we'll have you know some people that really like it. And it'll be their jam, and so hopefully that means it'll the game will do well. You yeah. know what I mean? And I was not expecting the first review that we saw get posted to be a ten out of ten. <laughs> I wasn't expecting for there to be like a nine point five from IGN, you know, and a and a nine from uh, from GameSpot, and you know, sure. on and on. Right? It's like okay, we thought we did a good job, but. The degree to which this is connecting with people, yeah. and they're like, "This is a nine point five. This is a ten out of 10. Was like, we, you know, it was sort of yeah. like that. We thought people would like it. We did not see that coming, and it and it really did kind of snowball to like, whoa, this game. You know, I think the the public perception was like, whoa, this game is like getting all of these like really high reviews compared to it's just like a small twenty dollar PC only game. I should check it out. You yeah, know? and then the thing that happened over the course of weeks was that it didn't go away. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, because there were the reviews, and then there were just weeks of, like, essays and, like, think pieces and sure. long-form, you know, in interpretive kind of um, uh, uh, writing on it of, like, 
people talking, like a you know rock paper shotgun talking about, uh, I the Alec from Rock Paper Shotgun identifying with like the dad of the um in, in the game, or like people writing long form uh kind of like confessional stuff about how they saw themselves in the game sure. and this is what they remember from way when they went through this, or Austin Walker doing a really good. Uh, blog post about how he finished the game and he felt like there was still something in it then he went back and really dug out Uncle Oscar's story and put all mm, those pieces together yeah, yeah, yeah. and and so there was the first you know spike of like wow this is really critically well regarded to a degree we weren't expecting followed by and people are just like continuing to talk about it and play yeah, it and, and, and it and there's a discussion that is just like going Bigger from that games, point yeah. forward you know what I mean um so it's 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 uh you know it, it's all you can really ask for as far as like the reaction to a game to yeah. be like we made it on our own terms it was really real well reviewed people are buying it and people are just like continuing to talk about it people care about it you know what i mean like that's the like i think you you pour however much of your life into making something all you can ask for is for people to care about it you know and because there's, there's so many there's so much stuff that people like work and work and work and they put it out and you know nobody nobody, nobody, nobody really attention. like you know Could like come or go. Yeah. It, it and and so just knowing that we had made this thing that we thought we were proud of and then that people really could see themselves in it and and could really feel like it was worth expending their time and energy and thought talking about what that was and what it meant to them mm -hmm. you know that was um that was really surprising and really Really gratifying, you know. Does so we've built you up here. This game's amazing. Everybody's awesome. We love you. There's think pieces. Everything's fantastic. <laughs> all that said, games, 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 games. games. <laughs> all that said, do you take it harder as an insult when people are like, "This isn't a game. It's a walking simulator. This isn't a video game. This shouldn't be game of the year. There's no gameplay." Uh, no. I mean, no. Like, as far as like taking it personally or something. Yeah. yeah. No. Um. No. I mean. I have always felt confident in what is like interactively valuable mm -hmm. about the game, you know. Um, and it, it, it's you know it's it's backlash, sure. right? Where it's like I think that the flip side of a game that is non-traditional and small and doesn't have a lot of the things that a lot of games traditionally have, being very well received and kind of like propped up and, you know, made, like, this paragon of, like, look at this game, you know, is, is really, really good. Yeah. People that don't connect with it don't just say, well, that's not really for me. They're also, like, and here's why all these people that are saying this is really good are wrong, because it's not even a game, you know, or whatever. And, yeah, I, yeah. and I think that's just really an expression of just, like, this isn't something that resonates with me. Sure. It's you not know? for everybody, right? And, and like, I, I, I don't see the personal value in expressing this isn't something that I care about in like really negative terms huh. you know I like like there's a lot of things that aren't for me and that I'm just not the audience for but you understand you have Twitter you can just say that you can just find stuff you don't like and tell people all the time <laughs> yeah tell the people who made it yeah yeah exactly uh, go right to them go to the source yeah, why'd uh, you even do this I don't enjoy it <laughs> <laughs> so you know I, I think that it's it's shorthand for this isn't the kind of experience that sure. I care about and you know like there, there, there's a there's a whole wide world of different kinds of of things that I think count as games, you yeah. know, or that 
are exploring different aspects of what being a game means or what an experience being interactive means or why you should even bother like playing a role in this experience mm -hmm. instead of just watching it or sure. you know whatever um and i think if we are able to help expand the territory of what is inside that realm of like and here's something else that you can do with games yeah um then it's worth the flip side of people saying like well that doesn't fit inside of my definition of game so it's not sure. even a game sure you know like so it goes, right? Yeah, exactly. Sweet and sour. No, that's just a delicious sauce. Well, I'm just saying, you gotta take the sweet with the sour. Yeah, you don't just want... You get so much praise, you're gonna be booed. Like well, it. and you just don't want sour sauce. No, you don't. I'll take my, I'll take my, my chicken rice with just a bunch of sour just sauce. put all the sour on there. Can I get sour thing. <laughs> anyway, yeah. For the uh, record, too, I told you he would destroy a toy for your approval. You've, oh you've, you've moved to this stage. You've impressed him so you much that awesome. Portillo is destroying Look at what you're doing. Out. Oh my god, you're powerful. So Gone Home comes out, yeah. all these awards, all this stuff starts happening, tens, all these nines. Are your phones immediately blowing up? Is this, you know, is this everyone in the industry now wanting you to make them a game to work with you kind of thing? I think the most, I think, I think the stuff that we heard the most was like just people, just players emailing us mm -hmm. and saying like, and kind of sharing their personal experience with the game. Like a lot of, a lot of, we were very fortunate for a lot of people to write to us and just be like, I played this game and, and it reminded me of when I was growing up. Or I played this game and it reminded me of what my sister went through in high school. And, sure. and I feel like I understand that better now, in a way. Or, you know, like, whatever, that kind of thing. Here's what the game meant to me. Thank you for making it. And, and that was the stuff that was, like, hard to keep up with. Because, mm -hmm. like, in that initial push, it was just, like, so many people were, were, were sharing their, their connection with the game with us. And that was, that was really cool. Um... I think that as far as like other stuff like that goes, I um, I was lucky to to get invited to like speak at a lot of conferences and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, we started working on patching the game to fix some stuff, and we also added the commentary mode to it. So like we kept busy, kind of. Um, <laughs> you know, we we recorded our own commentary um, tracks, and we also got commentary from Chris Remo, who did the music, and. Um, the Sarah Grayson, who did the voice of Sam, and uh, Corin Tucker, who's the singer of Heavens to Betsy, which music is in the game, and and later was the singer of Slater Kinney. And so we were kind of like, you know, being like, how can we add to the game, make it better, fix some stuff, etc. Um, and yeah, then you know, did some traveling. We were able to actually afford to like have our own places of residence oh, instead wow. of all sharing one. We're looking forward to that one day. Yeah, <laughs> someday. Enjoy it while you can. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's good while it lasts. Yeah. Um, so you know there was there were things to distract us during the sure. like the 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 kind of because you know, you finish a game and you've had something to work on every day for sure. however long sure and then you don't anymore and it's a weird it's a weird like I feel like I should be doing something yeah it's just yeah. a strange like adjustment period like I mean think if you finished kind of funny if tomorrow it yeah, was yeah. like okay. We we shipped it. We're done. No more. We don't, have, we don't have to record any more stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. Tomorrow you'd probably be psyched because you get a day off. Yeah, yeah. A couple days later you'd probably be like, so what am I supposed oh, yeah. to be doing? What do I do with this time now? You know. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's it's good to be able to say like, okay, well I gotta gotta write a talk. I gotta go to this place. You sure. know, we we, we gotta get this patch together, et cetera, et cetera. Um, 
And then, you know, after all that dust settled, took a little bit more of a break, and then it was kind of like, well, what are we going to do now? How do we, how do we start making something that builds on what we've done, but that we don't just repeat ourselves? You know? Exactly. Yeah. And that's Tacoma. It is. Gone home in space. Yes. There you go. That's because the summation because of it. what is a space station if not a space house? I'm very excited to see if when I go into the space station and I open the drawers, if I'm like, this is like my space station. <laughs> I remember growing up in this space station. Floating um, upside down, looking at the moon, obviously. <laughs> so, hashtag relatable. <laughs> <laughs> so, I know we, we've gone incredibly long here. What time do you have on your watch there? You have a pretty watch. I don't want to pull out my phone. That's really It is 4.16 p.m. Oh, shit. We got a hot... Because I want to do the... We're going to talk Tacoma on the Kind of Funny Games. Well, we're going to do it on the Gamescast. we got to get moving if we're going to do a Gamescast. All right. So, Tacoma... Check out the Kind of Funny Gamescast, because I want to know, like I was talking about, how the deal with Microsoft comes together. Not financials of it, but like, do they approach you? Do you approach them? Yeah. How does that kind of thing work? Well, I'll show there? you the balance sheet. Oh, thank you very much. We kept your seats. So the final thing for the Gone Home cast, I guess, then, is it's finally coming to consoles. Yep. Took you long enough. Yep. I've been beating <laughs> down your door for years. When did Gone Home come out anymore? I don't even remember the original year anymore. August 2013. Jesus Christ, Steve. Yep. It's almost three years later. Yeah, well, not almost three years. Two later. and a half years yeah, later. Yeah, yes. That is August isn't that far. It better Seven be. Seven months. We got another game to make. I'm I, going I, to E3. I need as much time between now and August as I can get. Um, no, it, it's been a while. We, um, you know, we took some time off. Yeah. Uh, started working with the publisher. Uh, got things a, a ways with them. Yeah. I think some like you know internal structure kind of stuff. There's sure. Some shuffling behind the scenes there. The game was you know the development of the port was on hiatus for a while, and that was cool because we were focusing on getting Tacoma off the ground. Yeah. Um, and then it just there became a point where it made sense for us to pick development of the console versions back up. So like late last year, yeah, um, we we picked it back up and we took the port in house and we built the um, the console versions of Gone Home, um, you know, at the office, make yeah. it the thing that we want it to be. Add some Chivas, add some add some Trophilas, but no, no platinum, platinum trophy. trophy. I this is the one thing on the Why call. Why do you like them? Because it's awesome, platinum trophies. Well, trophies are great, but platinum yeah. signifies... Here's the problem. You shot yourself in the foot on this one. Platinum trophies signify a real game. Well, we know that it's You're just a walking a, simulator. I yeah, don't it's know not a game, game, so... Oh, Jesus. You answered your own question, And also, it would have been an easy platinum. I love an easy platinum. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been in and out in like four hours. I had the platinum. I'd be like, da-da-da. No, it's like, it's one of so my favorite games of all time, I'd have a platinum trophy in it. Now I'm going to have what? Are you doing one of these things where it's a bunch of silvers and bronzes and I get one gold for beating it? There's a few golds. Okay, they better be. You got a handful of golds. Okay. You got a handful of gold doubloons. Okay. No, they're gone home. (laughs) You know nothing of the PlayStation. Gold. You can tell you tested games before trophies existed. They will mail you gold coins in the mail. Scott Rohde himself will. If you play your PlayStation enough. Mm hmm. It's not true. No, not at all. (laughs) Trust me, they know. My audience knows what happens (laughs) to PlayStation games. I'll I'll let it slide. So yeah, uh, thank you. No problem. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Um, but yeah, no, it's 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 on its way. So you know, we're we're really glad to finally be able to do it because you know we're again we're we're really fortunate that people are still talking about the game. Yeah, brand new audience too. I think yeah. I think I don't know what your expectations are, but I expect this to do really really well. Good, good. Just I based mean, on the fact of like you know, yeah, I think people love that, it. That's good to hear. No problem. I mean, I think is I I hope I think and hope is the kind of thing yeah. where if you haven't played it yet. Because you're not a PC gamer. Yeah. Maybe you have a friend who has told you, like, oh, you should play that. And you're like, well, I, I don't play PC games. Yeah. 
now, now, no now, now you get a chance, right? Yeah. Um, or, you know, if you're somebody who played it on PC two plus years ago, yeah. you're into playing stuff on your console now, hopefully it's a might be a good excuse to, to, to do that, you know, replay that you, you know, like yeah. you talked about. So, you know, I, it's, it's not the kind of thing where we, you know, the game has been out for a long time, right? Yeah. Like, like, it's a known thing, but I hope that if it's able to expand the audience and basically just give more people a chance to play it, then, then that'll be that'll be really cool. I'm I'm looking forward to more people being able to to have the experience. You know, me too. I'm looking forward to talking about more about Gone Home because I love talking about Gone Home. And so it's been. I mean, as these are skills by I've the, by the length of this, oh, this uh, two hour one on one Gone Dude, Home. Dude, I make I make long podcasts. I don't want to mention any I other outlets. I, it's right there. I don't. I don't want to mention any any other outlets that you might have used to have worked at. Uh, IGN. But yesterday, <laughs> yeah. I was at IGN, and I think. I somehow caused both of the IGN podcasts I was on to be like the longest of yeah. those episodes that they've. Well, ever that's recorded. the thing of like, and that's just like you know, the best thing about kind of funny is is similar to what you're talking about with you know why you left Irrational and went and did small team stuff is like we loved IGN. We you know yeah. don't get me wrong, but yeah, like yeah. I do love the ability to sit down and do this because yeah. this is like you know the up at noon interviews on steroids where it's like okay one on one great and let's actually have a conversation. You know what I mean right. I want to know and like. The views this video will do will be nothing remotely compared to what those the yeah. sh- even the short uh, up at noon interview we did did right. right? right but because right. it's like some people are like a two hour podcast. Right. See ya. You know yeah, what I yeah, mean. Yeah. Whereas others are like, that's what I want. That's what I want. You got and two hours we, to kill. We you got to go make that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, what are you doing? You waiting at the DMV right now? You driving your van full of nuns? What's up? Are you in line at a drive-through right now? Are you waiting awesome. to get some chicken nuggets right now? A lot of are people you listen get to the... us while they work out, which is always. Are you getting ripped right now? Are you making gains right now? Are you buff right now? You can tell we don't work out. I don't think are you, are I'm, you the... no one says I'm going to. The, I'm getting ripped right now. Are and you... they, what, they say it, but they don't mean it that they're at the gym. <laughs> <laughs> a listener, are you smoking a bong right now? There you go. That's better. Are, I'm just, are I'm you just, doing weed right I'm now? I'm just trying to find. As, I'm just trying to find as many people as I can to make oh. them feel weird. Because it, are you oh. walking your dog right now? The one, are you on your way to the bank right now? Excuse are me, you, sir. Are you currently listening to us while you put values into an Excel spreadsheet at a job you don't like that much? There you go. That's the okay. real one. Right. That's the real one. <laughs> That's the one a lot of people fall into. Hey, Nick. Put it in cell C1. All right. So we're talking about cell C1. I think that means we're No, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, Gone Home Console Edition is out Tuesday, January 12th on PlayStation 4. Wednesday, January 13th on Xbox One. Uh, This is Steve Gaynor. He made it all by himself. No, and, and a very talented whole team bunch of amazing Fulbright people company. at Fulbright today. Um, thank you, as always, for coming by. Absolutely, I love it. Was, you. You're it was a great, really dude. great seeing the the new spot. Oh, Thanks for having me over. No, anytime, mm. ladies and gentlemen. Until next time, it's been our pleasure to serve you. <laughs>